Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. Hi, everybody. This is Lewis Joing. Sorry, I'm, well, half an hour late today. Uh, anyway, I got stuck in traffic, so I apologize for that. It's uh, quite a long drive to go to Olympia to do research. Um, but anyway, normally we'll be starting up Fridays at 5 o'clock and run to 7 o'clock. Um, before I really get started, uh, since there's nobody here yet right now, um, I'm going to be uh, pasting stuff on the board. Um, if you want copies of the chat notes, you can go to the chat grabber. And then type in the caller ID number 137772. Okay. And um, I'll post the link for that next. Okay. So for those of you who aren't familiar with TalkShoe, uh, this makes it easy for you. Just save down these little messages I'm posting in the chat bar um, with the chat grabber. And then you can save it down on your computer and whatnot. Um, I'm going to post my office hours from uh, basically Monday through Saturday from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Pacific Standard Time because um, Friday nights from 5 to 7 Pacific Standard Time, I'm going to have be having this show about CPS. And on Saturday nights, I have another show um, called Pro Se Winners that also runs from 5 to 7. Um, I'll put my home office phone which is 360-335-1322. I'll post that on the board. And my cell phone, which is area code 253-226-3741. And I'm going to post a bunch of my email addresses. which is RCW Codebuster. Um, the RCW, for those of you who don't know this, uh, I live in Washington State. RCW is the abbreviation for Revised Code of Washington. And I'm the Codebuster, kind of like Ghostbusters. Uh, the judges are the uh, the creeps, like the ghosts, and so I'm the Codebuster. Um, well, most judges, not all judges. There's actually a few honest judges out there. There's... So, uh, I remember the name of that judge, Honest Judge, who gave back the guy's marijuana in uh, in Pierce County. Couldn't believe that. Uh, an honest judge actually gave a guy back his marijuana. Well, we need more judges like that. Instead of them letting the cops steal the drugs to give to their hooker girlfriends, um, they should be not allowed to take people's marijuana away from them. Um, also put the links to my free flyers, uh, free fight CPS flyers, available on my website for a free download which is uh, HTTP, the double dot thing, um, forward slashes, two of them, www.lewisewing.com. It's L-U-I-S-E-W-I-N-G dot com slash, that's the forward slash flyers, slash index dot HTML. That's on the board now, so you can go uh, find my flyers. Also, I've been doing some... Uh, 
um, talk shoes, not talk shoe really, but um, uh, live cable TV programs with uh, with Will Wilson at uh, Seattle Community Media uh, Org series All Day Live Show. The show is called the All Day Live Show. Um, I'll post the links for that next. Okay, those are up. Um, so those of you who want to report uh, uh, CPS kidnapping your children, um, I'm going to post the links uh, for FBI so that you can do that. Um, I'm going to be putting together, folks, um, criminal complaints that people will be able to literally fill in the blanks, their names, the names of their children, the names of their um, their judges, the assistant attorney generals, their public defenders, the guardian ad litems, and uh, well, folks, I'm going to be able to prove to you that these people are all engaged in a criminal conspiracy to steal your children. And giving you public defenders, uh, I'm investigating the public defenders, okay? Uh, there's a criminal conspiracy um, with the state to provide all indigents no defense, ineffective assistance to counsel. The attorneys are intentionally losing the cases. Even the appeal attorneys are intentionally writing briefs that look good, but leave just enough holes in your case to cause you to lose. Okay, and that's what I'm investigating now. Okay, and I'm going to be laying that out uh, uh, in my own case. And it's going to send shockwaves to the whole state of Washington. Um, I'm going to put together, folks, uh, boilerplate complaints that you will be able to write letters to the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., and complain that the U.S. Attorney in Seattle is not doing their job. We'll be able to complain to the United States Marshal, the local U.S. Attorney. Um, I don't know if you folks are aware of this, but uh, under state law, there are state statutes that allow you to report crimes to the sheriff, and that statute says uh, that when you report a crime to the sheriff, he has a duty to investigate. Uh, if he finds any merit to your claim, he's required to file his complaint or his report with the prosecutor. And the prosecutor um, has a duty under the law that when crimes are t come to his attention, the statute says the prosecutor shall prosecute all civil and criminal actions that come to his attention. Well, the folk problem is, folks, none of you out there are reporting these crimes to their attention. And there, some people are saying, no, I reported it, and they just won't do anything. Okay, this is true. Okay? Many people have tried doing this. Okay? Um, but there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And so I'm putting together uh, something to be funny or smart-ass, if you want to call it, um, named after Operation Greylord. For those of you who don't know this, Operation Greylord caused about 30-something judges on the state and federal level to go to prison in the 1970s. And that was done by this legal scholar, by this guy named uh, uh, William Skolnick. And I'll be posting links to his website also um, on the chat bar uh, as we get going here a little bit. This is what we need to do, folks. We need to file criminal complaints. We need to set these people up and, and force them to investigate. Basically, Operation Greylord was a situation where 
Um, judges were discovered to be on the take. They were accepting bribes for making rulings in a case. Criminally corrupt, morally debased, pieces of shit. And we have those in our state. Okay? Pierce County Superior Court Judge Grant Anderson for accepting a brand new Cadillac for making a ruling in a particular case. He got, what, a couple weeks off uh, with it without pay or with pay? I forget, but why is he still on the bench? That's the main point. The second main point is it's time to get rid of the Washington State Bar Association. In fact, folks, it's time to get rid of all the state bar associations in all 50 states. Okay, um, These people are engaged in a massive criminal conspiracy through all 50 states. We're talking human trafficking on an international level. They can and they do ship children out of the United States on a regular basis. These children end up being, well, former King County Sheriff David Reichert said six out of every ten children in the CPS foster care homes gets recruited straight into the sex trade industry and child pornography rings. And as it turns out, um, apparently um, there was a big bust showing that there was child pornography and child prostitution rings directly connected to the White House, even into the Pentagon. But all of a sudden, total news blackout, they stopped the investigation. Now, why is that? My suspicions are, and I bet you I'm right, that they discovered many of the people were high-level congressmen, level senators, rich people, important people, attorneys who are members of the bar. I bet you many of them were federal judges. I would not be the least bit surprised if even the Supreme Court justices in Washington, D.C. were discovered to be accessing and using child porn. Another interesting thing, folks... Who owns these adoption agencies? Turns out a lot of these adoption agencies are owned by corporations based in California, which in turn are owned by LLCs based in Wyoming, which in turn are owned by trust based in Las Vegas, Nevada, where they have non-disclosure laws, where the non-disclosure laws are so strong, you can't find out the names of who owns those trusts in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um Basically, what you do in Las Vegas, Nevada, what you do there, prostitution, selling your body for sex, you know, what they say stays, what what you do in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. So, I'm wondering, do the judges own these adoption agencies and these whorehouses and hostels over in Europe, European countries and Middle East countries and Arabic countries where they actually have legalized child prostitution? I'm wondering, do the judges own the whorehouses overseas? And do these judges, are they handpicking and selecting out young boys that they uh, they like their booty, so they're going to ship them out so they can have sex with them later for free because they own the whorehouse. They don't have to pay. They already own the whorehouse. They can go in there and rape all the young boys they want to. We need the FBI to investigate. It's high time to take down the CPS division of DHHS. They've, uh, they do not work in the best interest of the children. They work in the best interest of getting federal funding. These people have figured out a method to commit bank fraud. We're talking a massive conspiracy to commit bank fraud. They get federal money 
federal funding. That money is sitting in a federal bank, okay? And these people are scared of what I'm going to expose, okay? They're using forged and perjured documents, okay? Um, for those of you folks who really want to start studying how to take down CPS, the first thing we got to do, we need to find some accountants, somebody with accountant knowledge, and I want you to contact me if you have accounting knowledge, okay? So my phone numbers and stuff on the top of this board, but the first thing I'm listing here is federal funding for child welfare services. I'm posting the links for that. We need everybody to study the financing. If we follow the money, okay, we know the Bible says money, the love of money um, is lucre, the love of money, that's a bad thing. So the money is the root of all evil. And CPS is evil. They do not protect children. In fact, uh, I discovered online um, that uh, the history has been traced. Where did that term first come from? In the best interest of the children? Apparently, Adolf Hitler is the first person to, co to have been known to have coined that word. In the best interest of the children. And so that's what we have is a bunch of man-hating, dyke, lesbian, butch, cunts, brainless bimbos employed as CPS social workers. These are man-hating lesbians. These people, you know, you got to ask yourself a question, folks. Hasn't anybody ever questioned why is it that lesbians and homosexuals have seemed to gravitate in heavy numbers? more than any other occupation. Why do homosexuals and lesbians seem to gravitate toward getting employment that gets them closer to our children, not only in the public school system, the public school system, but specifically the CPS division of DHS. Okay? And at the forefront is these man-hating lesbians who are part of the gay rights movement. And uh, I'll post some links here in a little bit. Uh, but one of the leaders of the gay rights movement has admitted publicly and stated publicly and quite brazenly so that the whole purpose of the gay rights movement is to destroy the American family. That's right. That's the whole purpose of the gay rights movement is to destroy the American family. So let's see, I've posted three links here so far. Federal funding for child welfare services. Number two, tracking accountability and government grant systems. Number three, how child protection services buys and sells our children. Folks, uh, these links will give you all the statutes that you need to learn to study so that we can take down CPS, okay? Um, I have a lot of experience with uh, writing public disclosure requests under state law for the state of Washington and also with FOIAs you know, for a Freedom of Information Act request, you know, to the federal government, like to the IRS, because I deal with a lot of IRS cases mainly. Um, so what I'm going to do is I need to team up with somebody who is an accountant, okay? I need to find somebody with accounting knowledge that I can team up with, and then I can put together a proper public disclosure request and put it in such a way where I could distribute it to all the family rights groups and all the fight CPS groups for free, of course, I would ask for a donation, but I'm going to give it an email it out to everybody for free once this stuff is done, where literally every parent who is in a dependency proceeding and every parent who is in a termination proceeding will be able to submit public disclosure requests 
asking for an exact accounting of all the money that's being used to get their children, all the money that's being spilt on their children. How many times a month the state is pretending that we're broke? We got all these children and we need more money. Let's make application to the federal government. Well, folks, I've got case law, three major cases from Washington. Two of them are Washington State Supreme Court decisions, but one of them in the, in the middle is a U.S. Supreme Court decision from the U.S. Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., uh, answering questions the state Supreme Court asked them. And then it was remanded back down, and then they had another case. So there's three cases. These cases are called the Keffler cases. I'll get you those sites on the board in a little bit here. But this is very, very important stuff. And these Keffler cases, folks, I really, when I post it on the board, I want you to save it down on the chat grabber. Now, I posted the, the links to the chat grabber um, at the beginning of the show, but I'll post it again at the end of the show for those of you who missed the first of the show. Okay, with the chat grabber, you will be able to uh, go to the TalkShoe website and you'll be able to dial in um, the caller ID number for this show. The name of the show is cpsexposed.com. And you will be able to get all the links to the websites that I'm posting um, that shows you how to study the money, where they get their money, and how they get their money. Okay? But what the state's doing is they're pretending they sweep the accounts. The CPS very carefully monitors when that money gets close to the 2000s. $2,000 mark per child. And then what they do is they sweep the account. In these cases that I mentioned, the Kepler cases, the three of them, it says they're very careful about this. And as soon as it gets close to that $2,000 mark, they sweep it empty. This case publicly admits to their criminal activity. I can't believe these people are so fucking stupid that work for CPS, the judges and the attorney generals and the prosecutors. They're so fucking goddamn stupid. They actually put, they bragged about their crimes in a published two published Washington State Supreme Court decisions. And, and, and even the United States Supreme Court judges, they're so goddamn stupid, they published their crimes knowing that the public is so goddamn stupid that nobody would see it. They published their crimes. They publicly admit to sweeping the children's accounts two to as many as six times per month. They very carefully monitor this account to, to stop it from if it gets to a $2,000 limit, the federal government will cut off the money. So they're very, very careful to watch this. And they sweep the account empty. And then they wave their hands in the air and tell the federal government, we need more money. We're broke. We don't have any money. We got all these children, and we don't have any money. We need more money. And so the federal government sends them money again. They monitor the accounts very, very carefully, making sure that it doesn't reach that $2,000 limit. Guess what, folks? In these same cases, they admit to doing a random account of like 49, 50-something accounts of where over 700-something thousand dollars was allocated to the children. It just did a random audit, okay? Of that 700-something plus thousand that was allocated for the children, very short blip, over $680,000 went missing, and then a little short little statement, CPS doesn't keep accurate records of where this money goes. Whoa! How come CPS is spending so much time monitoring these accounts to make sure they don't reach that $2,000 limit so they can defraud the government and say, hey, hey, we're broke, we're broke. They don't disclose to the federal government that they swept that account empty and dry 
took all the money out and put it and hid it somewhere else. The CAFRs are hiding this money, folks. We need to put public disclosure requests for the CAFRs of CPS accounts. That's called the Comprehensive Annual Financial Reports. And you know what? These people are getting slicker at hiding the money. Ever since Walter Burian, folks, Google Walter Burian's name. Walter Burian, B-U-R-I-E-N. Walter Burian, they call him the CAFR man. He's the first main guy uh, to expose the Comprehensive Annual Financial Reports. Okay? The CAFR man. We need to study the money. Okay? Because that's where we're going to find out where the fraud's at, folks. That is where the fraud is at. Okay? Um, I'm also going to post a, a list of statutes that you folks need to study. The Hobbs Act. Okay? Operation Greylord, the two major violations was the Hobbs Act and the mail fraud statute. Okay? Now, they said although the mails was not their main source of income, it was the fact that they used the mails in the furtherance of their underlying violations of state statutes and federal statutes that gave the feds authority to investigate Operation Greylord. So I'm posting the Hobbs Act and the mail fraud statute on board, folks, on, on the chat board. We need to study this. Now, you parents who are fighting uh, CPS, okay, you get a letter from uh, CPS, anything in the mail, keep those letters. Mark the dates of the letters, especially the ones that demand child support. Okay, find all your letters that demand child support. Okay, they're making a request for unlawful compensation through the mails. Now I know you some of you saying what what everybody has to pay child support. Well, you've all been brainwashed by the criminals into believing that they can steal your children, and I'm the judge and he decides. Or he's the judge and he decides. And the judge says, I only make my rulings based upon the evidence that the, the social worker, the brainless bimbo, the stupid lying bitch has put before me. And I'm just making a ruling based on the evidence they put before me. But there's a conspiracy, folks, here. Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. These people turn into the three monkeys, okay? Uh, so that's what the judge says. Uh, I just make my rulings based upon what the CPS social workers put in front of me, Okay? They all pretend that they don't know that the other one is committing a crime. And I'm going to be able to show you the public defenders and assistant attorney generals and the guardian ad litems are all in on the scam to steal your children for money. I see we got a, a visitor, ear fixer. Um, boy, this is going to fix your ears tonight. Um, I'm posting links on the board, federal statutes that everybody needs to study. Uh, before you came on board, um, I posted... Uh, links to how to study federal funding, okay, because this is what I'm telling everybody. We need to study the money and follow the money. That's the, the, the root of all evil, lucre, the love of money. That's what the Bible says. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not evil itself. Everybody's got to have money. You know, that's what you need to pay the bills. Uh, that's what you need to house and clothe and feed your children, you know. You know, but it's the love of money that's the evil thing. And that's what the judges and assistant attorneys and uh, the prosecutors, they all have 
the love of money and the public defenders. These people want to get paid a big fat paycheck on their ass and doing literally nothing. Um, but I'm posting statutes that are very important that people need to understand. I'm going to be able to show you this series of statutes. When you go through, folks, the chat grabber later, I'll post that when I get done posting all the statutes again. I posted it at the beginning of the show, um, the chat grabber. And you'll be able to uh, save down all these links into your computer so that you'll be able to study this stuff. Okay? I've got a ton of statutes here. And I don't think there's anybody else in the United States that's done the kind of research I've done and exposed things in more detail than what I've done uh, that CPS is doing, but nobody's doing anything about it. And the main reason for that, folks, is, well, most people in the family rights movement and most people in the fight CPS movement do not have any knowledge of the law, okay? They're totally reliant on attorneys who are members of the bar, okay? And you think the attorney's helping you? <laughs> Let me tell you, that work, those attorneys are working a conspiracy against you. They're helping CPS. They're intentionally sitting on their hands. They're putting on a minimal defense. They put on a show here and there and stand up and talk against the judge and the prosecutor, but it's all a dog and pony show. The whole goddamn thing is rigged, and I'm going to be able to prove it to you. Okay? So, anyway, I'm, I'm almost done po posting these series of, of statutes on the chat bar. Okay, and then uh, when I get done doing that, we can uh, actually um, go through uh, together and click on the links, and I can read you what some of the statutes say. And I'm going to show you folks how this stuff all ties together. Um, and I was saying earlier, for those of you folks get any mailed notices from CPS, you need to save those, especially the ones that say child support. Now go to your child support letters in the mail demanding money for child support, Read it very carefully and go to the bottom. And somewhere in fine print, you're going to see a finding of dependency was made. Okay? This is a scam, folks. Um, in Washington State, every single dependency petition and every single termination petition is a, it's a bootleg document. It was not approved or drafted by the legislature. Okay? It is a bootleg document. That means it's a bogus document. It's a fraudulent document. Um, it's designed to trick everybody into believing that the document's verified. And when I pointed out to the judge in Kitsap County, Judge Hall, that there's no verified complaint in my case, the dizzy broad, Paige Cummings, she's a, she's a dumb bitch, honestly, okay? She stands up all proud, Mr. Ewing, the verified complaint's inside the dependency petition. And I'm looking at over at her like, shut the fuck up, you dumb bitch. Sit down and shut the fuck up. This is what I'm thinking, honestly, folks. Then I turned to Judge Hall and said, Your Honor, in the criminal courts, there's supposed to be an affidavit of a probable cause or an affidavit of a verified complaint, okay, in support of the complaint. It's a separate document. The complaint's one document, and the affidavit of probable cause is a separate document. A police officer has to go before a judge and apply for a warrant to search somebody's house for a marijuana bust. There's an affidavit of probable cause that's subscribed and swore to under oath, signed in open court before a superior court judge is signed under the penalties of perjury. Well, Mr. Ewing, this is the, what the criminal Kitsap County Superior Court judge, Mr. Ewing, we do things differently in the family court. Now, keep in mind, folks, this is two years ago. Family law was not my bailiwick two years ago. Okay? 
my my specialty is the last 14 to 16 years, I specialize in criminal defense. I make my living undercutting attorneys, okay? Um, you could basically call me a super paralegal, okay? Whereas a regular normal paralegal only works for attorneys because they've all been fooled into believing you can't go out and give legal advice, you can't do legal research, and you can't do legal writing for uh, the public. You can only work for an attorney. Well, that's total bullshit. That's a lie. Okay, all of you folks out there have a legal right to, quote, represent yourself or defend yourself. Now, folks, when you go to court and represent yourself or defend yourself, and I'm going to teach you folks here in a little bit, representation is bullshit, okay? There's no such thing as a right to be represented, okay? The Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution says you have the right to the assistance of counsel. Assistance to counsel is not synonymous with representation. Those are two mutually exclusive terms, okay? But you start doing the research, you're going to find out that assistance of counsel is actually synonymous with co-counsel. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't have you being co-counsel because you might get things on the record that will cause you to win your children. So the judges are going to lie to all you folks. And keep in mind, folks, the judges lie in court all day long. And they can do it because they're not under oath. They're not subscribed to swore to under oath. So they lie to you and give you false legal advice from the bench all day long, five days a week. Okay? The judges will lie to you and say, you have a choice of either representing yourself or allowing the attorney to represent you. But it's got to be a member of the bar. Oh, they're really stuck on that. They've got to be a member of the bar. Now, folks, you want to know the real reason why judges make such a big stink that if you want to, quote, represent yourself, that you have to waive your rights to counsel? I'll tell you the secret. It's called Arger Singer versus Hamlin. Okay? If you bear with me, I'll go to another file folder, and I'll grab the case site. Arger Singer versus Hamlin is a holding U.S. Supreme Court decision that has never been overturned. Okay. Um, I kept two clients in the North Carolinas from going to prison, even though they were found guilty of income tax evasion, several counts, several counts of income tax evasion, several counts of wolf failure to file, and because they were business partners, uh, these guys were also charged with a client conspiracy in violation of 18 U.S.C. 371. Now, I'm getting off topic a little bit um, from CPS stuff, but I want to show you something, folks, um, that you probably never heard of before. Can you believe it? Can an attorney tell you, you know, hire me, and uh, even if you're found guilty, I can keep you from going to jail? They would be disbarred. They can't do that. And the other thing is they can't do that if they're representing you. Because if they're representing you, you waive your right to counsel. Okay, now I'm gonna. You guys are gonna laugh at this. Uh, years ago, literally twenty something years ago, I was in the Auburn Municipal Court. I'm going off topic with CPS stuff, but you guys are gonna laugh at this stuff. I was in the Auburn Municipal Court after I filed affidavit of prejudice against the uh, presiding uh, Municipal Court Judge of Auburn, uh, Patrick Burns, who, by the way, is a male crossdresser that got pulled over in recent years by Auburn cops wearing a blue dress instead of the black judge dress. <laughs> That's right. Judge Patrick Burns is uh, a male cross-dresser. <laughs> I attacked Bald Affidavit Prejudice against him. I'd also recused uh, their uh, pro-tem judge. I forget his name. The guy's a real jerk. Um, 
So they brought in a visiting judge, Judge Phillipson. Judge Phillipson is kind of like a floating judge between the Akeen District Court and the Auburn Municipal Court and a couple other courts. And, uh, well, we went through a little debate in front of the whole courtroom. And I, keep in mind, I'm in an orange jumpsuit, handcuffed to five other guys. And I was winning the debate. I was making the judge look stupid, Judge Phillipson. So he decides to make a crack. Well, Mr. Ewing, you know the person who represents himself has a fool for a client. And everybody in the courtroom laughed. He thought he was funny. He thought he was really smart. Well, I'll tell you how I screwed him up. And I go, well, Your Honor, I object to you uh, making fun at my expense while I'm sitting in your jail in an orange jumpsuit, handcuffed to five other guys. Your bathrooms don't work. The guy flushes the toilet down the hall uh, in the bathroom. There's not enough bunks here, so some of us are sleeping on the floor. And the toilets overflow in our bathroom, even though we're 30 feet down the hall, when the toilet flushes over there. This is disgusting. This is a violation of the health hazards. But you guys don't care. You guys don't care about violating the health and safety codes and fire codes because you're getting a $300 a day, 24-hour kickback for every bunk that you can fill. And you want more, and you know, and, and you call throwing a mat on the ground as an extra bunk. And you're just filling your jails up to get federal funding so that you guys can get a big paycheck. So I'd like the opportunity to respond to your silly comment. And so much worse. Now, it's been your 20-something years. I don't remember the exact words. He goes, well, what do you want to say, Mr. Ewing? And I go, well, Your Honor, isn't it true that anybody who um, is represented by an attorney considered at law to be a ward of the court? And he goes, well, yeah. Well, do you want to tell everybody what ward of the court means? He goes, well, I'm not going to do that. And so I faced everybody in the court. I said, well, everybody, ward of the court means non Mentally a child, a fool, unable to... Okay, somebody's breathing hard on the phone, so I'm going to have to mute you out or something. Okay, so I'll just I'll just hit the mute button um, so that you guys can just hear me, because this is being recorded. Okay? Arger Singer versus Hamlin, folks. Um, I'll read that to you, the case quote, in a minute. So... I said, Your Honor, isn't the truth, uh, the word of the court means non-compass mentis, mentally incompetent, a child, a fool, unable to speak? Isn't that the real reason, Your Honor? When somebody hires an attorney, they're not allowed to talk because you're, you're an idiot. Anybody who hires an attorney who's a member of the Washington State Bar is an idiot. That's why they're not allowed to talk. So I refuse to be represented, Your Honor. Okay? I have the right to speak in my own defense. I have a First Amendment right to the redress of my grievances. I have the right to the assistance of counsel. Assistance of counsel is synonymous with co-counsel. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to take the lead position and bark orders to the attorney who has more knowledge and more experience than me, but I have the right to participate in my own fence. I have the right to speak, and I'm not going to speak out of turn and be rude and impolite. I'll let him make the opening statements. I'll let him uh, uh, you know, conduct voir dire jury, you know, you know, picking the selecting the jury and stuff, but... Um, I, I would like to be able to cross-examine my own accusers. Okay, I would. I know which questions to ask this person that's lying, and uh, I'm not going to disclose that as an attorney because he's not going to ask the questions I want to. And we've already talked about that in private. And he refuses to present my defense, and my defense is based on the statutes, court rules, and case law. And so I refuse to be an, an idiot, Your Honor. And uh, it was funny. It was really quiet in the courtroom. When I told him anybody who hires an attorney as a member uh, is, has to be an idiot. And that's the truth, folks. 
When you hire an attorney, you're considered at law to be a ward of the court, non-complus mentis, mentally incompetent, a child, a fool, unable to speak. So that's a fact. Everybody who hires an attorney to represent them is an idiot, especially if they're an attorney who's a member of the bar. You know what's even funnier, folks? Okay, well, Your Honor, I guess you're half right, but you're half wrong. The, the truth is anybody who hires an attorney who's a member of the bar is an idiot, and so is his attorney because his attorney doesn't even fucking know this. And the judge was getting really pissed. His face turned it was turning beet red. And when they saw everybody in the courtroom saw how beet red his face was, Judge Phillipson, everybody broke out in a fucking laughter, like ten times louder than when they laughed at me. Then he starts slamming on his gavel, Get him out of here right now. Get him out of here right now. I want you're under arrest, Mr. Ying. I said, well, Your Honor, I'm in hand. As I'm being dragged out with the five other guys, Your Honor, I'm already under arrest. I'm wearing an orange jumpsuit and I'm wearing handcuffs. <laughs> okay. Now, folks, here's the reason why the judges make such a big stink about if you want to represent yourself that you have to waive your rights to counsel. Here's the reason why. Okay. Arger Singer versus Hamlin. I'm going to read you the quote. We hold that no person may be deprived of his liberty who has been denied the assistance of counsel as guaranteed by the Sixth Amendment. This holding is applicable to all criminal prosecutions, including prosecutions for violation of municipal ordinances. The denial of assistance of counsel will preclude the imposition of a jail sentence. Under the rule we announced today, every judge will know when the trial of a misdemeanor starts that no imprisonment may be imposed, even though local law permits it, unless the accused is represented by counsel. He will have a measure of the seriousness and gravity of the offense and therefore know when to name a lawyer to represent the accused before trial starts. Holy shit, folks. I have discovered the secret to... Who is it? Former Justice Berger said 25, 30 years ago that everybody volunteers to go to prison. Did you know that, folks? everybody volunteers to go to prison. You're going, what? That's fucking bullshit. Nobody volunteers to go to prison. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. That's why I say anybody who anybody who hires an attorney to represent them is an idiot. Okay? And they have an attorney for an idiot because the attorneys are so fucking stupid they don't even know this. Okay? Let me read this quote to you again so it sinks in. We hold that no person may be deprived of his liberty who has been denied the assistance of counsel as guaranteed by the Sixth Amendment. This holding is applicable to all criminal prosecutions, including prosecutions for violations of municipal ordinances. The denial of assistance of counsel will preclude the imposition of a jail sentence. Under the rule we announce today, every judge will know when the trial of a misdemeanor starts that no imprisonment may be imposed even though local law permits it, unless the accused is represented by counsel, he will have a measure of the seriousness and gravity of the offense and therefore know when to name a lawyer to represent the accused before trial starts. Well, there you go, folks. You could be guilty of rape, robbery, murder, assault. And if they take you to trial and they force you to trial with no counsel... Even if you're found guilty, they can't legally send you to jail because you weren't represented. The whole idea is here, oh, fuck, then I don't want a lawyer to represent me. And I don't want to waive my rights to counsel either. <laughs> okay. 
I've done this on the federal level, United States District Court in Charlotte, North Carolina. I kept two guys from going to prison. Now, I'll tell you the kick side of that story, which proves that what I'm saying is true. Okay. Another thing is when you hire an attorney to represent you, all your documents, the motions that you filed, they get stricken. They get ignored by the court. Go read the civil court rule, CR 11. They will acknowledge only documents that are prepared, filed, and signed by your attorney. So they'll strike anything you do, okay? Because you're non compos mentis, a child, a fool, unable to speak, okay? That's why you have to have an attorney who's a member of the bar representing you because you're an idiot to hire that bar attorney, okay? Only an idiot would volunteer to go to jail. Only an idiot would volunteer to go to prison. And here it is, the published case, and I'm the first person that you guys have ever heard this from with the exact argument laid out under Argersinger versus Hamlin, 407 U.S. Supreme Court, page 25, June 12, 1972. Argersinger versus Hamlin, folks, um, was based upon a case that came out of the Supreme Court of the State of Oregon. That case is called Stevenson versus Holtzman. I'm going to go to another file, if you bear with me for a minute, and I'll grab the, um, I'll see if I can find, I think I, I got, got to make sure it's in this file. Um, Stevenson versus Holtzman uh, is a very good case, and I actually was doing some uh, research in the Oregon Supreme Court uh, about 12, 13 years ago, and I got the Stevenson versus Holtzman briefs, and I actually copied all the briefs, all the court files uh, for the Stevenson versus Holtzman case, and it had beautiful old case law on the right to counsel. And folks, you know, I, I love to read, so um, and, and this is what I do. I, I, re, I read case law um, basically seven days a week. And let me do a little search here um, in my document. Uh, Stevenson versus Holtzman, uh, I'll give you the site for it. 254, Oregon Reporter, page 94, um, September 10, 1969. You, you folks got to um, read that case. It's a, a really good case. Um, I'll post this on the board also. Stevenson versus Holtzman. That's an awesome case. And that's what uh, Arger Singer versus Hamlin uh, was based upon. Okay, that's on uh, the chat board now. So you guys can um, go Google and read that case. That is an excellent case on uh, the assistance of counsel. Another case. We have many times repeated that not only does due process require that a defendant on trial in a state court upon a serious criminal charge and unable to defend himself shall have the benefit of counsel. Compare Williams versus Kaiser, Tompkins versus Missouri, and Rice versus Olson, and with Betts versus Brady. But that it is a denial of the accused constitutional right to a fair trial to force him to trial with the expedition as to deprive him of the effective aid and assistance of counsel, citing Powell versus Alabama, Avery versus Alabama, ex parte Hawk, House versus Mayo, and we have often pointed out that a conviction secured by the use of perjured testimony known to be such by the prosecuting attorney is a denial of due process, Mooney versus Holohan, 
and Pyle versus Kansas, and New York X-Rail Whitman versus Wilson. And these cases, folks, are all cited by a case called White versus Reagan. This is what we got in my case. We got a CCS social worker lying, two CPS social workers lying, uh, CPS social worker from Kitsap County, Page Cummings, she's a stupid lying bitch, brainless bimbo. Another brainless bimbo, stupid lying bitch named uh, Kelly Linscott. For those of you folks who don't like me swearing, you can leave, okay? Because you know what? If you know my story, you'd be saying, fuck, Lewis Ewing has a right to be pissed. I'd be fucking cussing and swearing too. I'd be spitting on these people and pissing on them if I could. And you know what? These people, I'm going to expose them to the public. I'm going to post their resident house addresses on the internet when I set up a website for that because I already know where all of them live okay and uh, I'm going to be posting every CPS social worker's home address every family court judge every guardian ad litem every assistant attorney general I'm going to post all their resident addresses on the internet so that they can sleep a lot better at night isn't that nice folks now let me point out something you folks that don't you folks don't know this Whenever you're in any family court and you see a judge about to swear in a CPS social worker, you need to stand up. Your Honor, Amicus Curry, friend of the court, I object. And the judges would say, you, you're in contempt of court. You better wait till I'm done swearing this person in. What are you objecting to? Well, Your Honor, I object. You're perpetrating a fraud upon the public. Now, I did this to Judge Hall in Kitsap County Superior Court in my own case. Okay, Kitsap County Superior Court Judge Hall is a criminal. He is a felon, currently engaged in an active conspiracy. Not just my case. Every family court judge in the state of Washington is a felon who is leading organized crime. Folks, the dependency petition says it's supposed to be verified. Okay? I went through a series of statutes uh, on the last show, and you can guys can go on the recording and get this. Okay, look up the, the terms verification in Black's Dictionary and Bobier's Dictionary. Verification means it's supposed to be subscribed as swore to under oath and signed under the penalties of perjury in open court before a superior court judge. Okay? Not a court commissioner. No, say, oh, no, no, we can have the court commissioner do it, and if you don't like it, you can file a motion for revision of the commissioner's ruling in 10 days. Well, bullshit. You guys conducted this hearing. I got notice of the hearing. I didn't get to go there. I'm contesting this, Okay. This is a contested process from the get-go, whether I was here or not. Well, you weren't here, and we couldn't find you, and whatever their excuse is, bullshit. They've hired in-house notaries to robo-stamp dependency petitions. Now, here's the trick, folks. Inside the dependency petition, it'll say top of the, the page in, in the middle, it'll say in uppercase letters, verified complaint. And the upper left-hand side of the page, like a normal sentence, starting with uppercase and lowercase, it says, subscribe to swore to under oath. Then you go to the bottom of the page, by the big notary seal that you see, you'll see in all capital letters, subscribe to swore to under oath. But notice, folks, it does not say signed under the penalties of perjury. Okay? Uh, it says, subscribe to swore to under oath. My oath, my oath, my oath. Okay, so I'm the hooker social worker, prostitute social worker, brainless bimbo, and I went under a bridge at 3.30 in the morning, and I got the town drunk who happens to be a notary, to, and I, and he was just staggering drunk, but he recognized me. I showed him my ID, and all he does is stamp my phony dependency petition with his notary seal acknowledging that I'm the brainless bimbo who showed him my driver's license. Okay? 
Guess what, folks? Did you know by statute the social workers have immunity from committing perjury in the state of Washington and, and Supreme Court decisions and federal decisions? Look up RCW 26.44.060. Immunity from civil or criminal liability. Confidential communications not violated. Actions against state not affected. False report, comma, penalty. 1A, subsection 1A, folks, of 2644060. Except as provided in subsection B of this subsection, any person participating in good faith in the making of a report pursuant to this chapter or testifying as to alleged child abuse or neglect in a judicial proceeding shall in so doing be immune from any liability arising out of such reporting or testifying under any law of this state or its political subdivision. So guess what, folks? By statute, the social workers have immunity for committing perjury. And the social workers know this. So they sign those dependency petitions, no matter how much they lied in that dependency petition, they have immunity from perjury. So even if you catch them at it, you can't charge them with it because this statute protects them from being charged with perjury. Now, the judges know this, too. And so Judge Hull is standing up in open court, raising his right hand. He gets the CPS brainless bimbo social worker, Paige Cummings, and the other stupid lying bitch, Kelly Linscott, and the other just as dizzy broad, guardian ad litem, Stephanie Hooker. Yeah, that's right, Stephanie the Hooker. Um, guardian ad litem in Kitsap County to raise their right hands. And he's pretending to swear these three bimbos in. He knows that they have immunity for perjury, and these three bimbos know that they're lying for perjury. So here I am. I object, Your Honor. And Judge Hogan, Mr. Green, what, you can wait until I'm done swearing you're in before, and then tell me your objection. I said, no, Your Honor, I'm objecting now. What are you objecting to? I said, I object to your perpetrating a fraud upon this courtroom. What are you talking about, Mr. Ewing? I said, excuse me, Your Honor. This statute, 2644060, and I read it to him, says the social workers have immunity for committing perjury. You know about this statute, and they know about the statute. So I, I demand that she not be allowed to testify, okay, because she can lie all day long, and, she, and, and even if I catch her approved that she's lying, I can't have her prosecuted for committing perjury. So her testimony is worthless. It's not credible. Your motion's denied, Mr. Ewing. I go, no, Your Honor, that, you know, I'm, I'm changing what I said. That's not a motion. Let the record reflect, Your Honor. I object to you perpetrating a fraud upon this courtroom. I object to you standing up pretending to swear her in when you know she has immunity for committing perjury. You're committing a fraud upon the public, okay? If you were an honest judge, then you need to sit down and you tell everybody in the courtroom, well, the social worker is going to come testify, but everybody, I have to let you know, um, everything she says cannot be considered evidence because she's not under oath. Um, um, there's no need for me to swear her in because she has immunity for committing perjury, so there's no need for me to swear her in. But uh, the court will take uh, um, her, 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 her testimony in, in advice. It'll be an advisory capacity. So <clears throat> we're going to be honest judges, and, and we're, uh, we're going to only consider testimony for people who could swear with personal knowledge that they have personal knowledge this parent was a bad parent that abused, neglected, or abandoned her children. And, and if uh, somebody has personal knowledge and they, they're they willing to uh, uh, be sworn in and swear in the penalty of perjury, we will take uh, um, their testimony as being the only credible testimony in this courtroom. And the social worker's uh, testimony, um, we can't really say one way or another has credibility but because uh, we don't know if they're lying or telling the truth. But we're going to, uh, for the record, we have to state for the record that the social worker's testimony is only advisory. 
The judges aren't going to do that because they make their money stealing children. The assistant attorney generals make their money stealing children. The public defenders make their money stealing children. Okay? Let me uh, tell you, folks, the main case you need to look up is a case called Briscoe versus LaHue. This is a 1983 case from the U.S. Supreme Court. Okay? This case ruled that police officers have immunity for committing perjury. Okay? Hi there, Tarion. Tarion has left the chat. Oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't on the, um, the board. Uh, I was in another window. So Briscoe versus LaHue folks on the board. I'm going to read you a case uh, called Gilliam versus DHHS. This is a Washington State appellate court decision from 1998. So guess what? These judges aren't going to play stupid no more, folks. We're going to rub this in their face. I need people, volunteers, to be going on to my website, lewisewing.com, cpsexposed.com. I need you printing out a few hundred of these flyers. They're two pages. Well, print out one set first. They're, they print out, they come out two pages normally. If you know how to work your printer or just take it to a Kinko Copy Center and say, hey, I want you to convert these two pages to a one-sided document, uh, a flyer, and print me up two, three hundred copies. And I need volunteers to go stand in front of the CPS offices where the parents go visit their children for that once a week, two-hour visit. I need people standing in front of all the family courts in the state of Washington and all 39 counties handing out this immunity from perjury flyer. And everybody needs to tell everybody fighting CPS to come and listen to this program. Let me read you the bullshit. This is what proves the judges are in on a conspiracy to commit felony kidnapping, felony custodial interference, felony child stealing, and felony child stealing. This is bullshit. The judges are committing a fraud like this. Now, let me read this. When extended to judges, prosecutors, grand jurors, witnesses, and others who perform official functions in the judicial phase of a proceeding, absolute immunity protects the nature of the judicial proceeding itself, citing Briscoe v. LeHue, 460 U.S. Supreme Court, page 325 at 334, or 103 Supreme Court Reporter, page 1108, 75 limited edition second page 96 1983 the reasons for this rule are also substantial it is precisely the function of a judicial proceeding to determine where the truth lies well folks that sounds like bullshit if they have immunity from perjury how are we going to determine where the truth lies the ability of courts under carefully developed procedures to separate truth from falsity and the importance of accurately resolving dispute factual disputes in criminal and civil cases are such that those involved in judicial proceedings should be given every encouragement to make a full disclosure of all pertinent information within their knowledge. Citing Briscoe v. LaHue, quoting Imbler v. Pactman, 424 U.S. Supreme Court, page 409 um, at 439, or 96 Supreme Court Reporter, page 984, or 47 Limited Edition Second, page 128, 1976. This is cited by Gilliam v. DSHS, 89 Washington Appellate, page 569, at 580 to page 581, or 950 P. Second, that's Pacific Reporter Second, page 20, January 26, 1998. Oh boy, folks, uh, how it, the, the reasoning of this case makes no sense at all. How are we going to determine where the truth lies when the social workers know that they have immunity? How is the judge gonna, who gets to witness, who gets to see the the witnesses before him and determine their credibility, when the social workers 
know that the statute and the case law protects them from immunity from perjury. Because before, normally, I would consider most women would be scared to go to jail. They'd be terrified. They'd be peeing their pants. They'd be shaking like a leaf if they knew that they were going to lie. If they knew that they got caught, they could go to jail. And the judge would be able to see their demeanor and be able to tell their lying and not take their testimony as being credible. But now, what well, we need to get more children. And our social workers don't going to lie unless, they're, unless we promise to help them and, and not prosecute them. Well, let's just give them immunity like judges and prosecutors. Let's bring them in on the circle. Now, here's the whole reason why all the attorneys have set up CPS, folks. Let me point out something. The bar attorneys are the ones who created CPS. The faggots and the lesbians in the gay rights movement have infiltrated our government. They've infiltrated the state legislatures. These faggots and lesbians, a bunch of pedophiles and child molesters, okay, sexual deviants. These people are a subversive group of people. And I'll read you on another show. I'll pull in the statutes defining treason and misprisoning of treason, which basically in a layman's word, when a group of people, either by force or in numbers, rise up in insurrection or towards the repeal of a statute. Okay, that constitutes misprisoning of treason, which is a felony. Okay? These homosexuals and lesbians infiltrated the state legislatures and they wanted to get same-sex marriages passed in the 70s and 80s, but they couldn't do it. Why, folks? Why is it they couldn't push for same-sex marriages in the 70s and the 80s? Well, there was a problem. There's a statute on the books that prohibited sodomy. You can't do it in the butt. They called that buggery. That's why in the old days they say the, they would call you, you little bugger. That's where the term, you little bugger, came from. You little bugger. Okay. Uh, buggery under the common, that's what they called it in England, under the common law, it's a felony crime. The punishment is stoning by death. Well, the reason why they couldn't get same-sex marriages, folks, is because sodomy was illegal. The, the gays were they were going, well, how can we, we can't consummate the marriage because consummating the marriage would be a felony crime, so we can't get married. They couldn't push for a same-sex marriage law because the sodomy statute prohibited it. Well, folks, Consummating the marriage doesn't mean just having sex. Okay? This is what most people don't understand. Okay? Having sex by itself does not consummate the marriage. The older jurisprudence in the case law lays out that to consummate the marriage, okay, the Bible says when a man has laid with a woman, he's married her. Okay? And what's proof of the marriage is the offspring. The offspring of the marriage is the child. Okay? And the older jurisprudence lays out that if it's discovered that a woman is infertile and can't have a baby, and the opposite case law says if the woman discovers the man shooting blanks, either man or woman can go into court and ask that their marriage be annulled. And the case law, even today, defines annulment as meaning that you were never married in the first place. Nunc pro tunc and ab initio to the beginning. That's right. No, no, no. They just passed marriage in this state and that state. See, here's my wedding certificate. See, see, we're married. Folks, that piece of paper means nothing. It's bullshit. It's all so the gays can rub it in their face. Look, look, we're married. We're married. The flaming faggots 
want to force the rest of society to accept their sexual deviancy and their pedophileness and child molestingness. Folks, homosexuals, that's the gateway to child pornography. That is the gateway to pedophilia. And these people have sought employment. They've got the lesbians to infiltrate CPS. And they're friends with the gays, the homos, in the gay rights movement. And the homos are whispering in the lesbians' ears, we'll bring the boys down to, to, to Hollywood. Let's take them to Disneyland. And we'll have private shows and meetings. And you'll show us, we'll meet at certain times. And we have a picture catalog and say, that one, that one. Ooh, I want that one. I want that one. I want, I want that one. And they're showing the young boys to all the faggots in Hollywood and in Los Angeles when they take the children to go to Disneyland. Oh, we're so good. They're bribing the children. Look, these good people, the CPS, they're taking us to Disneyland. My parents didn't take me to Disneyland. That fucking pisses me off because I wanted to take my children to Disneyland first. I got the money to do it. Okay? But they snatched my children from me when they were in the custody of my children. Keep in mind, folks, my children were not removed from my custody. That's right. I'm in no way, shape, or form responsible for my children being taken into custody. My ex-girlfriend, whom I'd been separated from just over two years, got pulled over driving a stolen truck. But guess what, folks? It wasn't really stolen. They made that up, and they knew it. The truck was actually loaned to her by her stepfather, Roger Gavel. They knew that. Okay, That's false reporting. So they had no basis for claiming that they had probable cause to arrest Catherine West uh, based upon her allegedly driving a stolen truck. So as soon as I rubbed that to the uh, Attorney General, Assistant Attorney General, Peter Gay, I mean Peter Kay, uh, you know, faggots lie, okay? And you folks don't believe this, you don't like me printing faggots, but you can do the research on this. Everything I say I can back up with fact. Look, Google around on the Internet uh, about the FBI testifying about homosexuals. The FBI has testified in the congressional record that the government, especially the FBI and the CIA, and law enforcement used to have a strict no-queer hiring policy. And the reasoning behind that was it's because queers, faggots, lesbians, could not be trusted to tell the truth, and it caused them to lose many drug busts because they will do anything to lie to get themselves promoted to higher positions of money because their boyfriend and girlfriends, who they were supporting, wanted more money. Maybe their, their boyfriend was beating them up if they didn't get more money and didn't get a job. Who knows? Who knows what the reason is? But the FBI testified before Congress that we used to have a strict no queer and no lesbian hiring policy in the FBI, CIA, and all of law enforcement. Well, they've changed that now because of the, quote, political pressure of the gay rights movement. They even used to remove it from the American Medical website years ago. It used to be posted conspicuously on the uh, American Medical Association's website and several other. The, uh, uh, the, the American Board of Psychiatry was the main one that said people that were homosexuals had a mental abnormality. They were not normal people, <laughs> which is true, which is true. These people are not normal people. I have never met a normal faggot yet. Okay, I've never met a faggot that was normal. Every single homosexual or faggot I ever met had some kind of a problem, whether you call it bipolar, schizophrenic, uh, anxiety attacks. There's just something wrong with them. They're just not normal. Nothing's changed. The only reason 
that the American Board of Psychiatry and American Board of Medicine and whatnot removed those statements from their websites, not because that has ever been scientifically been proven to be wrong, but only because of the political pressure of rich gay people and the gay rights movement itself. Now let's go back onto this telling lie stuff. Here's another case. Burns versus County of King. Folks, we need to protest. Okay? All the judges know that the social workers are lying. All the social workers know that they can lie and get away with it. All the guardian ad litems know that they can lie and get away with it. Think about it. This makes sense. How can we get to the truth of the matter and discern truth from falsity when the social worker is relieved? She goes, oh, good. I can lie all day long, and I can get away with lying. I can get away with lying, and even if they catch me, I can't go to jail. Ha, 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 ha. And I'm going to get a big fat paycheck if I get 10 kids in this month, and I can lie about all 10 kids. This is how they get their paychecks, folks. Social workers get paid to get lie on a daily basis. Let's read this Burns versus County of King. Under the Supreme Court's decision in Briscoe versus LaHue, as interpreted by this court in Holt versus Castaneda, 832 Federal 2nd, page 123 at 127, the Ninth Circuit, 1987, certiori denied by the U.S. Supreme Court, 108 Supreme Court Reporter, page 1275 or 99, limited edition 2nd, page 46, 1988. Witnesses are absolutely immune from suits for damages under Title 42, Section 1983 for testimony given at trial or for testimony given during adversarial proceedings. In Briscoe, convicted criminal defendants brought suit against police officers claiming that the officers had given perjured testimony during the defendant's criminal trials. The Supreme Court held the witnesses, including government officials, are absolutely immune from damages liability under Section 1983 based on their testimony. Briscoe, 460 U.S. at page 326 or 103 Supreme Court reporter at 1110. Under the analysis of Briscoe and Holt, Warwick is entitled to absolute immunity for the statements made in her affidavit to the court. See that, folks? The social worker Warwick in Burns versus County of King in 1989 was given immunity for her perjured statements made in her affidavit in support of her dependency or termination petition. That's right, folks. The social workers are getting paid to lie. The judges know that they're lying. The social workers know that they're lying. And you can't sue them. You can't prosecute them criminally, and you can't sue them civilly, even when you catch them lying. And the judges are using their testimony, well... By the preponderance of the evidence standard, I called it the preponderance of the brainless bimbo stupid lying bit standard. That's what I call it. But McCormick's on evidence, folks. McCormick's on evidence says the preponderance of evidence standard is the lowest threshold standard of evidence there is. This is bullshit, folks. These people are violating the Fourth Amendment. They're making an end run around the Constitution to do indirectly what they could never do directly. Okay? The prosecutor would be completely unable to file a charge against either Catherine West, who was responsible for my children being taken into custody, or me for either abandonment, neglect, or abuse. Why? Because under the criminal standard, they would have to have proof beyond a reasonable doubt in order for me to go to jail or for Catherine West to go to jail. Guess what? That doesn't mean I'm in denial because they say there's no proof. There's no proof I abandoned or neglected or harmed my children. That's all bullshit. Okay? The fact is they have no evidence, period. They don't even have prima facie evidence. They don't even have preponderance of the evidence to charge me at the charge. 
And they know that if they were to charge me and try to take me or Catherine West to trial, the jury would find both of us not guilty. Oh, we can't steal the children that way. If we can't steal the children and we can't get a bunch of children in custody, we won't be able to commit bank fraud because we won't be able to apply for federal funding because we don't have any children in custody. We've got to find a way to create a system under the civil side of the court, under civil forfeiture proceedings, which folks are summary judgment in nature. This is what I'm figuring out, folks. Uh, I'm brushing up on civil law. I'm discovering they're using like the civil forfeiture laws, how they take away people's houses and jet skis and Harley bikes and, and water ski boats, you know, from rich drug dealers that get caught uh, uh, selling drugs and whatnot. And, and they use the civil forfeiture laws to take away all their valuable possessions. Well, they're using the same kind of a civil forfeiture process to steal children. Okay? And they're making an end run around the Constitution to do indirectly what they can't do directly. Okay? So... They can steal children under the color of no law, not under the color of law. A lot of patriots say, well, they're doing this under the color of law. No, they're doing it under the color of no law. Okay, I'm like the little kid who points and shows you the emperor is naked. They're using forged and perjured documents. I want you to keep something in mind, folks. A social worker is a brainless bimbo. A social worker is a stupid lying bitch. Same thing with a guardian ad litem. These are brainless bimbos with bachelor's degrees, um, Oh, but this Kelly Linscott, she says she has a, a master's degree in psychology, sitting all proudly in her chair. Well, Miss Linscott, are you a licensed psychologist? She shrunk in her chair. Oh, well, you're practicing psychology without a license. That's a crime, Your Honor. In fact, this statute says it's a felony. <laughs> Your motion's denied, Mr. Ewing. Here's another case, folks. Toller versus Paulson. 551 Federal Supplement, 2nd, page 1039 and 1046, Eastern District, California, 2008. Okay, I'm going to read you this site. Witnesses are immune from civil liability under Section 1983 based on their testimony in judicial proceedings, citing Briscoe versus you again. This immunity extends to sworn statements made to the court. Oh, well, guess what, folks? If this immunity for committing perjury extends to sworn statements to the court, is that a sworn statement? <laughs> Obviously, it's not a sworn statement. What? If, that's an oxymoron. Are these are these fucking people stupid? Or are they just morons? This immunity extends to sworn statements made to the court. Well, obviously, folks, if the prosecutors, the assistant attorney generals, the guardian ad litems, and the CPS social workers have immunity for committing perjury, and that immunity is extended to sworn statements, obviously that renders the sworn statement to be unsworn. It's an unsworn, sworn bullshit statement that's not sworn. Here's the next case quote. It is beyond question that Hayland is entitled to absolute immunity for the testimony he gave during the dependency proceeding. And the custody hearing, because witnesses, including government witnesses, are immune for their testimony. Again, folks, citing Briscoe versus Liu. Halen should be accorded prosecutorial immunity for his role in the initiation of dependency proceedings against Myers. There you go, folks. In the initiation of dependency proceedings, CPS social worker Halen is entitled to absolute immunity for the testimony he gave during the dependency proceeding and the custody hearing. So, folks, they are not swearing to their complaints. It's a fake swear. It's a pretend swear. 
they stand up and raise their right hands, and the judge stands up and raises their right hands. The judge doing that is actually committing subordination to perjury. The judge, by doing that, is leading organized crime. The assistant attorney general, who's participating in witnessing the judge commit the felony crime, is a criminal co-conspirator with the judge. That's right, folks. A criminal co-conspirator. Here's another case, folks. Vosburgh versus Department of Social Services. This is from the Fourth Circuit, 884 Federal 2nd, page 133 at 137. Fourth Circuit, 1989. Okay, I'm going to read you the case quote for this. In yet another case involving similar circumstances, the Sixth Circuit also held state social workers absolutely immune from Section 1983 actions resulting from the initiation of judicial proceedings, citing Kurzawa versus Miller. 732 Federal 2nd, page 1456, from the Sixth Circuit, 1984. The court rested its holding on the decisions of the Supreme Court in Imbler, Buttes, and Briscoe versus LeHue. This is Vosburgh versus Department of Social Services. And I'll post this on the board. And I read you guys this. Folks, this is so important. I need people printing out this flyer. This is where I'm reading you folks the flyer. You can go to my website, lewisewing.com. You can download this flyer and read the exact thing I'm reading it now. Here's another case, Myers versus Morris. In addition, the guardians, therapist, and the attorney have absolute immunity for any damage claims based on the functions of testifying before the family court, see Briscoe versus LeHue, holding that witnesses and other persons who were integral parts of the judicial process are entitled to absolute immunity. Myers versus Morris, 810 Federal 2nd, 1437 and 1466, February 3rd, 1987, Myers versus Morris. I'm posting this on the board, folks, so you can download later with the chat grabber. But folks, you see, you see how important that is? The social workers are not subscribing and swearing to their written affidavits. That's a fake swear. It is not subscribed and swore to under oath because they have immunity from committing perjury. So their affidavits are not subscribed and sworn to. It's a trick. Okay? By filing that document to court, they're actually committing second-degree perjury. That's right. Every social worker who puts their signature on a dependency petition or a termination petition is committing second-degree perjury. Every assistant attorney general who puts their company signature is not only engaged in a criminal conspiracy with the social worker and the judge, but that assistant attorney general is also in conspiracy with the judge leading organized crime by placing his accompanying signature with somebody who's not an attorney who is practicing law illegally. But here's the good news, folks. Here's a case I found. Prosecutor failed to reveal to defense that a witness had informal immunity held to be prejudicial error. Guess what, folks? This is mandatory reversible error. That's right. Everybody who lost their children in a dependency termination proceeding can demand that they be given a new trial, their case be vacated, or given a new trial, get their children back, because the assistant attorney general, in your case, failed to reveal to your defense attorney that the social worker had immunity. And here's here's the case, folks. State versus Vavra. 33, Washington Appellate, page 142, 1982. Quote, prosecutor failed to reveal to defense to the defense counsel that a witness had informal immunity held to be prejudicial error in State versus Vavra. I'm posting that side on the board. 
So, folks, everybody can demand a new trial, citing State versus Barbara on the grounds Assistant Attorney General failed to reveal to your public defender or the attorney that you hired that the social worker had immunity. The Assistant Attorney General failed to reveal to your public defender or the attorney you hired that the guardian ad litem had immunity. That's grounds for a new trial for everybody who lost their children in a dependency or termination petition. Boy, they're not going to like that. Okay? Now, folks, guess what? The brainless bimbo social workers have no authority under General Rule 24. GR 24 and CR 11 provide no authority to the social workers to sign dependency petitions or termination petitions pro se on behalf of the CPS division of DSHS, which is a corporation, is a separate entity. Keep that in mind, folks. The CPS social worker cannot sign a legal document pro se on the behalf of the CPS division of DSHS. A CPS social worker is an employee of a corporation called Department of Social and Health Services. CPS division of DSHS is a corporation, okay? The CPS division of DSHS is a separate entity from the individual social worker. So Paige Cummings, dizzy broad that she is, and Kelly Linscott, dumb bitch with a master's degree. Uh, I, you know what? That dumb bitch, Kelly Linscott, she's so goddamn stupid, I would not use her master's degree to wipe my ass with for fear of infecting my bunghole with her stupidity. Okay? I even caught that dumb bitch lying in my court. That's right. That dumb bitch, Kelly Linscott, CPS social worker in Kitsap County, I caught her lying in court and I proved it. Okay? Like a dumb deer in headlights. She claimed that my oldest son, Miles Tejano, requested counseling and that Mr. Ewing would have prevented it, trying to make me sound like the bad guy because children need counseling. Of course, all these brainless bimbos like uh, Stephanie Linscott and Kelly Linscott with their master's degree in psychology, okay, and the Stephanie Hooker with a bachelor's degree in psychology, and Paige Cummings, another dizzy broad with a bachelor's degree, none of them being a licensed psychologist, by the way, none of them being a licensed social worker. That's right. These social workers aren't even licensed social workers. They're brainless bimbos who can't get a job in the real world, okay? Their bachelor's degrees are useless degrees, but if they get a job for a social worker, holy shit, they get a huge paycheck that pays them way beyond their worth Okay, because they couldn't get a paycheck anywhere in the private sector that would come close to what they get paid as a CPS social worker. But you know what? It pays to lie if you're a social worker. The more children you get, you get adoption bonuses, federal funding, kickbacks. They can sweep the counts dry. Okay, the CPS, in this case, is the Kepler case, monitors these cases very carefully. When it gets to that 2000 mark, very carefully, they sweep the count. And then they're waving their hands. We got all these children. We got all these children. We need more money. These people are engaged in a criminal conspiracy to defraud the federal government of money. They're committing bank fraud. Okay? They're defrauding the federal government of money, and they're involved in a conspiracy to do it. Those are federal offenses. Plus, they're making applications of this through the mails. So they're using the Postal Service in violation of that. Now, the Hobbs Act, folks, when you look up the Hobbs Act, it's an act of violence. Threats. When they send you that demand for child support in the mail, look at the bottom. It says, based upon a finding of dependency. Guess what, folks? Those dependency petitions are forged and perjured documents. So they send you a demand in the mail for child support under the threat that if you don't make child support, 
you're going to be charged in contempt of court. They're going to pull your hunting license, your fishing license, your business licenses, your driver's license. They're going to pull your passport so you can't go on vacation anywhere. And with the threat of imprisonment for contempt of court for failure to pay child support. And they sent this bullshit through the mail. Knowing that the dependency petitions and termination petitions are forged and perjured documents that are not really subscribed and swore to under oath. They are not signed under the penalties of perjury. And even if they were, even if they were, it does say signed under penalty of perjury. They're not. They, it's impossibility at law. Even if they put signed under penalty of perjury on it and they actually signed it, it's an impossibility at law for them to be charged with perjury because the U.S. Supreme Court in Briscoe versus LaHue and all the cases that I just cited that also cite Briscoe versus LaHue very clearly states that social workers have immunity for committing perjury. So they're committing a fraud upon the court. And these social workers are practicing law. Okay? Paige Cummings, pro se, can only represent herself. Kelly Linscott, pro se, can only represent herself. Here's what Black's Law Dictionary with pronunciation, 5th edition at page 1099 says. Pro se, for himself, in his own behalf, in person, appearing for oneself, as in the case of one who does not retain a lawyer and appears for himself in court. That's Black's Law Dictionary with pronunciation, 5th edition at page 1099. Here's the next definition from Ballantyne's 3rd edition at page 1013. Pro se, for oneself, appearing for oneself in an action or a criminal prosecution. 5 Amjur 2nd, appear, section 10, and 21 Amjur 2nd, criminal law, section 310. Ballantine's Law Dictionary, 3rd edition, at page 1013. Folks, uh, I'm going to post you some really good case sites that prove my point. A social worker cannot sign a legal document on the behalf of the CPS division of DSHS. I'm setting them up, all folks, I'm going to charge all of them with unauthorized practice of law. I'm going to try to make the prosecutor do it. If he doesn't do it, I'm going to tell him, you don't do your fucking job, Mr. Prosecutor. I'm going to charge you with official misconduct, and I'm going to charge you with, uh, as an accessory after the fact and a criminal conspiracy. And I'm having the Department of Justice look at this, the FBI Economic Crime Unit look at this, okay? And I'm going to have the Secretary of Health look at this. And I'm going to demand that you be pulled as a beneficiary, that you can no longer manage these accounts for the children's money. I'm going to pull all your federal funding, you dumb bitches. And you're going to be looking for a new job. Actually, you're going to be looking for a criminal defense lawyer to try to keep your dumb asses out of prison. Folks, let me uh, read you this case site. Because a corporation can act only through its agents, it must be represented by an attorney in legal proceedings in court. Well, gee, folks, is a dependency proceeding a legal proceeding in court? Okay? And if the CPS division of DHS is a corporation, here it is. Biomed Community versus Board of Pharmacy, 146 Washington Appellate, page 929 at 934, or 193 Pacific 3rd, 1093, October 13, 2008. Guess what, folks? social worker cannot represent CPS, Division of DCHS. A social worker cannot sign a legal pleading on behalf of a corporation which is a separate entity from themselves. Okay? Here's the next site, folks. But with few exceptions, only active members of the Washington State Bar Association may practice law, which includes representing another in court. RCW 2.48170, 
APR, that's Admission to Practice Rule 1B, and GR24, Jones versus Allstate Insurance Company, 146 Washington 2nd, page 291, at 301, or 45 Pacific 3rd Reporter, 1068, 2002. In-ray disciplinary proceedings against Droker, 59 Washington 2nd, page 707, at 719, or 370 Pacific 2nd, page 242, 1962, and State versus Hunt, 75 Washington Appellate, 785, or 803 to 805, or 880 Pacific 2nd, page 96, 1984. Folks, these cases that I just read you are cited by Advocates versus Hearing Board. Let me uh, post that on the chat board so you folks can grab this stuff off the chat grabber. That proves that social workers are engaged in the illegal and unauthorized practice of law. Advocates versus Hearing Board, 155, Washington Appellate, page 479 at 43, or 230 Pacific 3rd, page 608, March 2, 2010. Folks, we're going to take down and destroy CPS. If we, you folks need to send the links to this show, cpsexposed.com, to every family rights groups in America so that they can listen to this program and they can grab these case sites off the chat bar and they can read the cases for themselves and they're going to, holy shit, how come nobody in my family rights groups or CPS group has pointed this stuff out, Lewis Ewing's pointing out? Folks, I've only been involved with CPS the last two years. And I'm revealing stuff to you that nobody has ever revealed to you before. Okay? Um, I'm going to post another side of the board here. Um, Cottinger versus Employment Security Department. And I'll read you the site. Okay? In Washington, with limited exceptions, individuals appearing before the court on behalf of another party must be licensed in the practice of law. Lloyd Enters versus Lloyd Enters Inc. versus Longview Plumbing and Heating. 91 Washington Appellate, page 697 at 701, or 958 Pacific Second, page 1035, 1988. Because a corporation is an artificial entity, necessarily its interest in a court proceeding must be represented by a person acting on its behalf. Representing another person or entity in court is the practice of law. To practice law, one must be an attorney, RCW 2.48170. Thus, Washington, like all federal courts, there you go, folks, clear admission by the Washington State Supreme Court that they're not a state court. Okay? All state courts are federal courts, folks. Did you know that? Did you folks know that? All state courts are federal courts? We have no states because the states no longer exist. The states were destroyed in the Civil War. They were replaced with a new constitution for the new union under the federal municipal corporate states, pretending to be states, masquerading as states, okay, for perpetrating a fraud upon the public. But the states don't exist anymore. It's all one complete federal judicial system. Here it is, the quote again. Thus, Washington, like all federal courts, follow the common law rule that corporations appearing in a court proceeding must be represented by an attorney. Dutch Villain Mall versus Politi. 162 Washington Appellate, page 531, at 535 to 36, or 256 Pacific 3rd, 1251, 2011, citing Lloyd, the Lloyd Enters, Inc. versus Longview Plumbing case, again, 91 Washington Appellate at 701. There exists a pro se exception to this general rule, under which a person may appear and act in any court as his own attorney, 
Without threat of sanction for unauthorized practice, Washington State Bar Association versus Great Western Union Federal and Savings and Loan Association, 91 Washington 2nd, page 48 at 56, or 586 Pacific Reporter 2nd, page 870, 1978. This pro se exception is, however, extremely limited and applies only if the layperson is acting solely on his own behalf with respect to his own legal rights and obligations. Washington State Bar Association, 91 Washington 2nd at 57. This is cited by Cottinger versus Employment Security Department, 162 Washington Appellate at page 7082 at 787 to 788, or 256 Pacific 3rd, 667, July 25, 2011. Folks. All the judges in the family courts know this. Every single state superior court judge in the state of Washington across the whole United States that runs a family court is leading a courtroom of unauthorized law practitioners. Every single judge is leading organized crime in the family courts. Every state superior court judge is engaged in a criminal conspiracy and have created an entire court system of unauthorized law practitioners called brainless, bimbo, stupid, lying, bit social workers. I'm wondering, are the judges getting blowjobs out of this? I was reading these Keffler cases, and it talks about the social workers getting reimbursed for their gas mileage. Are, are they meeting the judges at the Snoqualmie Falls Lodge, and are they booking adjoining rooms? Are they all having orgies together? Uh, and renting expensive hotel rooms and ballrooms, and, and uh, you know, basically they've created their own whorehouse, and they're deducting all this money from the children's accounts. That these cases publicly admit that they're sweeping to two to six times a month, and in a very short blip in these cases say CPS doesn't keep accurate account where this money goes. But how come they keep accurate account when the money's coming in? Oh shit, it's almost two thousand. We better sweep the account dry. And then we're going to pretend to the federal government, we're going to lie in conspiracy. We're going to wave our hands in the air and say, look, look, to the federal government. We've got all these children and we've got no money. We need more money. They're committing bank fraud and they're defrauding the federal government. They're lying to the federal government by saying there's no more money and they spent the money and all the kids. When they're hiding the books. In this Keffler cases, they talk about over $700,000 that was actually act, uh, uh that was supposed to be earmarked, earmarked and, and used for the children, it said over $680,000 went missing. With a very short blip, CPS doesn't keep accurate records of where this money goes. Yeah, I'll bet they don't. They're buying hotels and motels overseas in foreign countries. They're building cabanas in Cancun and, and Caracas and Aruba and, and building fancy houses in Hawaii all on the children's expense money. Okay, When a corporate entity presents a pleading not signed by an attorney, CR 11 is a proper basis for striking the pleading. Folks, everybody that's in a dependency proceeding right now needs to file a one-page document, and I'll give you the case site right here, Okay, and file a CR 11 motion to strike the dependency proceeding on the grounds that the social workers engage in unauthorized practice of law. <laughs> CPS, you brainless bimbos are going down, and very soon, this is all over, 
I'm going to be posting up a website and selling these motions for 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 20 bucks, 200 bucks, 300 bucks. I'm going to make it so all the poor people can afford my briefs. And your courts are going to be flooded with Lewis Ewing motions. 50 page motions, folks. 50 page motions of the most well researched anti CPS pleadings that have ever been written. Okay? Better than any attorney's. People say, well, how could that be possible? How could your briefs be better than any attorney's when you're not even an attorney? Folks, I tell everybody the secrets to my brief writing. Okay? Here's the fact, folks, that you don't realize this. Attorneys like to try to pretend that they have special knowledge, that they, they know the law and you have to have an attorney represent you. There's this magical mystery. Bullshit. Okay? Every attorney is a, a liar and a thief, and he's using big words and fancy words. I call it legalese, kind of like Vietnamese. They're speaking a foreign language right in front of you, and you think you know what they're saying, but they don't. They have their own little secret language called legalese. Okay, so they're speaking Vietnamese right in front of you. You hear motor vehicle, and I hear motor vehicle, folks. You folks don't even know. You think a motor vehicle is your car that you drive down the highway with. And the cop says, well, you're operating or driving a motor vehicle. Guess what, folks? I'm going to put together a flyer, and you uh, and the cops are just going to love this. This is going to stump all the prosecutors and the judges. I'm going to uh, create a flyer, a new one. says, I am not operating or driving a motor vehicle. And it's going to contain the RCWs and WACs that specifically define a motor vehicle as a commercial vehicle uh, um, a for hire vehicle that's being driven for compensation, that you're getting paid to drive somebody from point A to point B for compensation or for hire. That's what a motor vehicle is, folks. So the cop's going to be able to, uh, uh, in order for him to charge you with driving out a license, because you're operating a motor vehicle, he has to prove that you were operating that motor vehicle for hire. Okay? They did a little trick here, folks. They made the driving without a license under 4620.015 a civil infraction because they only have to prove by the preponderance of the evidence instead of driving while suspended because we could challenge this easily on the driving while suspended charge. On a criminal charge, we're facing jail time. They have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And under the essential elements case law, Article 1, Section 22, State versus Holt is the leading uh, essential elements case in the state of Washington that says they have to prove every statutory element of a defense. Well, they're scared of that, okay, because they don't want to reach the argument that I don't have to have a driver's license unless they can prove I'm driving commercially. They have to cite every single statutory element. Under State versus Holt, it says the failure or, you know, the omission of any statutory element of a charge constitutes an absolute fatal defect to the charging instrument. So they better be able to prove that I was driving commercially in order to charge me with driving while suspended. Now, how does this relate to uh, family court stuff? Well, guess what, folks? You don't pay child support. They're going to pull your driver's license. So maybe you need to start studying traffic law also. While I'm talking about that, I'm posting a whole bunch of case sites, folks, um, these cases are the very best cases that lays out that a social worker cannot sign documents. They cannot sign dependency petitions. A social worker cannot sign a termination petition uh, on behalf of the CPS division of DHS. Can't do it, okay? Because that's called the practice of law. A CPS social worker is not an attorney. They are not a member of the bar. Okay, and how am I going to prove? Okay, how are they getting away with this, folks? Who do you think created the whole agency? Who wrote all these 
dependency statutes. Who wrote these termination statutes? The Washington State Bar Association is a criminally corrupt organization. They go, we got to find a way to commit money and bank fraud. We can't sign these documents. And prosecutors are going, well, we can't sign these documents because we have no personal knowledge this parent's a bad parent. Now, the higher, uh, higher level attorneys, the sharks, the smarter attorneys who are the higher level criminals, they're from the assistant attorney general's office. They're saying, you know what? We need to push you prosecutors out of the way. You're fucking with our money. We need to, we need to make more money. You get the fuck out of our way. So the assistant attorney generals pushed aside the prosecutors. They have no authority to be in the family court. Did you know that, folks? The assistant attorney generals have no standing to be in the dependency or termination courts. The statutes in the prosecutor, in the assistant attorney general statute says you can do all these wonderful things. Go read the attorney general statute, folks. It says, except where the uh, where the duty has been placed by the prosecutor. So anything that uh, where the statute says the duty of the prosecutor, the attorney general can't do it. The, turn, the prosecutor, the elected county prosecutor, his deputy or special prosecutor has to do it. And I've discovered this, and I'm putting together a briefing on it to perfect this argument. I mean, I've almost got it perfect now. A prosecutor is the only person who can put their signature on a dependency or termination proceeding. An assistant attorney general can't do it. They have no standing. Okay? So the attorney generals are running the show. And check this out, folks. In my case, we have assistant attorney general Peter Gay. I mean, Peter Kay, who claims he's not gay, but he refuses to take the stand and swear under oath that he's not homosexual. He's all pissed off in court claiming he's not homosexual. And I said, Your Honor... Will he take the stand and swear to that under the penalty of perjury? Oh, but he's got immunity for committing perjury, so he can lie about it, and I have no way of proving it unless I catch, you know, you and him in the act. (laughs) I really wonder if these guys are butt buddies, okay? Seriously. These case sites I'm posting on the board, folks, show that a corporation, case after case, a corporation must be represented by an attorney. A corporation cannot be represented by somebody who's not an attorney. So the social workers, they are not pro se on behalf of the corporation. Okay, a social worker signs a dependency petition. That affects the legal rights of the children. It affects the legal rights of the parents. Okay? Those dependency petitions affect the rights of somebody other than themselves, they cannot. It's an, it's an impossibility. It's an oxymoron at law, okay, uh, for these idiots to try to claim that they're pro se representing the corporation. You cannot be pro se representing somebody else. You cannot be pro se representing a corporation. You cannot be pro se representing an entity that is a separate entity from yourself. You can only represent yourself pro se in a proceeding where only your legal rights are affected. If anybody else's legal rights are affected, you can't do it. And guess what, folks? You know how they say ignorance of the law is no excuse? The judges sit up there, they talk down to you, patronize you like you're a child. Who the fuck these people think they are? Let me tell you, fucking judges. You ain't my mommy, and you ain't my fucking daddy, and you can't tell me what the fuck to do. And this dizzy, broad Stephanie Hooker, Mr. Ewing, behavior is toxic in this courtroom. Well, damn right, you dumb bitch, okay? You criminals are pissed off because I'm exposing to the public that you're a bunch of lying bitches, you're a bunch of fucking criminals, and all of you deserve a Nuremberg trial, 
Every single one of you deserves a Nuremberg trial. Every single one of you should be given a Nuremberg trial and given the same judicial process and no due process. The due process that you don't give us, that's what you should get. The judicial process that you give us, that's what you should get. And accordingly, you should be sent found guilty. You should be sentenced to be hanged by the neck until dead or lined up to a firing squad by the Army, the Marines, the Air Force, the National Guard, and just for kickers, every mother or grandmother who's lost a child in any war gets first dibs on the first shots. And it should be with 22 rifles starting from the outer extremities first. Wouldn't that be great, folks? We could sell tickets to that. Watching all the old ladies and grandmas that are crying that they lost their son in the Vietnam War, World War II, get to shoot the judges and shoot the assistant attorney generals and shoot the prosecutors. Wouldn't that be a sight? But I would rather go back to the days of Spartacus. Imagine we could sell more tickets than ultimate fighting. We could sell more tickets than Mike Tyson fights. Imagine if we could put all the social workers, the assistant attorney generals, the guardian ad litems, and put them in the Colosseum with Spartacus and with the lions and the tigers on chains on one side and the grizzly bears on the other side. And they're forced to fight Spartacus in the middle. And we could watch Spartacus slice and dice all the judges. Wouldn't that be fucking awesome? We would sell so many tickets. Oh, my God. We would have pay-per-view, a worldwide audience that would sell more tickets than Elvis Presley Lives concert. That would be awesome. But, folks, we can't resort to violence. It's against the law. And you know what, folks? I am actually a man of God. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. So guess what? I decided to become a paper terrorist. A paper Rambo. Like Mel Gibson on Braveheart. I want to see everybody free. So you know what? You know, it's true what they say. The pen is mightier than the sword. And see, that's my battle weapon. My battle weapon, well, not so much the pen, but it's the computer. It's the keyboard. It's the internet. I can wake everybody up. I'm like the little kid who points and says, look, the emperors are naked. And while I'm talking, folks, um, I'm posting all the best case sites that shows you a corporation must be represented by an attorney. Corporation is an entity separate from yourself. You cannot represent a corporation because you are not the corporation. Okay? A corporation is an entity, a distinct individual, a separate person from you. Okay? The only slight exception to that is, like, if you're the sole proprietor uh, of a corporation that you set up and you're the owner and the manager and, okay, so you're the only person, okay, you could do that. You could you could represent your, your entity if you were the sole owner and you didn't affect anybody else's legal rights. That's the sole exception. Okay, let me get the... Uh, a few more sites up and we're going to kind of move on to the CPS stuff. But folks, a social worker cannot sign a legal pleading that affects anybody else's legal rights. So guess what? When a social worker signs a dependency petition claiming that your children are dependent, that affects the legal rights of your children and it affects your legal rights. And by doing so, they're engaged in unauthorized practice of law. Under Washington State, that statute is 2.48180. It's a gross misdemeanor, the first offense. The second dependency petition that these dizzy broads sign 
is a felony crime. And guess what? Assistant Attorney General Peter Gay, I mean Peter Kay, but I think he's gay. He's all pissed off because I revealed that he is a in-the-closet homosexual deviant who's chasing young boys. And that's what I said in open court. He denies it. All get all pissed off and denied it. And I said, well, we, Your Honor, well, can we swear in Mr. Mr. K and have him swear under the penalty of perjury that he's not gay? We're not going to do that, Mr. Ewing. See? Even the judge covers for him. But they have immunity for committing perjury, so what good would their testimony be anyway? So Peter Gay is all pissed off, and so he's putting in false pleadings in court, knowing they're false. And I'm going to be able to prove this when I file criminal charges against Peter Gay. I'm letting them run all the way through their process. I'm going to let them run all the way through the process so that I can prosecute all of them for felony crimes. Isn't that great? And I'm going to show everybody in the United States how to take these fuckers down and send them to prison. It's going to be fun. Okay? Uh, my CPS flyers, I'm going to post the links on the board. Okay? You guys need to get my flyers. All these case sites that I just posted on the board came off my CPS immunity from perjury flyers. And uh, my other flyer called... Um, Uh, which one is this? The jail CPS, uh, the right to secretly record cost flyers. Only prosecutors have authority. Oh, yeah, let me read you a couple of case quotes, um, folks, from the prosecutors. The legislature has enacted RCW 36-27-010 and .040, which required that a prosecuting attorney and his deputies qualify and limit be regularly admitted attorneys at law, which provisions in turn. The general authority to employ deputies extended to a prosecuting attorney as a county elected official. By 36-16-070. Okay. Finley, Stafford, Wright, Utter, and Bracton back J.J. concur. Hale, C.J., concurring only in the result. At the time this appeal was heard, the statute prescribed that no one, not a member of the bar of this court, could serve as prosecuting attorney. No person shall be eligible to the office of prosecuting attorney in any county of this state, unless she's a qualified elector therein, and has been admitted as an attorney and counselor of the courts of the state, 3627010. Deputy prosecuting attorneys were given the same power and authority as the prosecuting attorney and were required to be members of the bar in a state, in a statute, declaring that, quote, each deputy thus appointed shall have the same qualifications required of the prosecuting attorney, RCW 3627040. Because the prosecuting attorney and his deputies hold offices created by the Constitution, they are in law public officials. Constitution, Article 11, Section 5. Since the prosecuting attorney and his deputies hold, quote, public offices and their qualifications are prescribed by statute under the Constitution, it follows that the courts are and should be without power to either abrogate or enhance the power and authority of prosecuting attorneys and their deputies or to establish other and different public offices with either the authority or power to fulfill the functions of prosecuting attorneys and deputy prosecuting attorneys. Accordingly, this court cannot, within the lawful exercise of its judicial power, create the office of prosecuting attorney or one like it, nor can it authorize such office to be filled by persons who do not, qualify, who do not possess the qualifications prescribed by statute for that office. 
I would therefore reject the rationale of the majority opinion and hold that the statute requiring that prosecuting attorneys and their deputies must be members of the bar be upheld and that this court is without power to prescribe lesser qualifications or to otherwise amend such statutes. This is State versus Cook. Now, folks, now what I read you was from the dissenting opinion, but that doesn't matter. Okay, this was this case was not about social workers. This was just about talking about the, the authorities and duties of a prosecutor. So, this argument is absolutely a 100% legally correct argument to use against CPS. Okay, this violates the delegation doctrine, folks, or it also violates what they call the non-delegation doctrine. And you folks, it's something we need to everybody fighting CPS needs to study the delegation doctrine, and also the non-delegation doctrine, okay? In a layman's terms, I'll tell you what that means. By the Constitution, in every single state, the legislature has the authority to create cities. They can create executive offices or quasi-executive offices or judicial or quasi-judicial offices. Okay, so they can set up the city of Seattle, the city of Tacoma, they can set up the municipal court of Tacoma, they can set up the district court of Tacoma. Well, now we got to have a prosecutor. So they can create the office of prosecutor. Okay? Now, under the delegation authority, the case law in Amjur, Corpus Juris, and ruling case law, and all the order of jurisprudence that says once the legislature has delegated that authority, it can only be redelegated one more time, but by that agency itself. Okay, so when the legislature created the office of the prosecutor, now he has the authority to redelegate his authority one more time. And the statute set it up, the legislature set up the statute giving him authority to do that. Okay, there's two of them. One is for the deputy prosecutor, and the other one is a special prosecutor. So that's right. They set up the office of the county prosecutor in every single state, in every, every county, in every single state. Now, that elected county prosecutor can appoint deputy prosecutors, and he can appoint special prosecutors. And when you read the prosecutor statutes in your state, it also says that person must have a letter of appointment signed by the elected county prosecutor on file in your county recorder's office. Okay? Under the general law, when you start reading your state constitution... Now I'll go through this on another show. I'll do that. I'll do this as a special on the next show to go into the details, what authority the prosecutors has as opposed to the attorney general. Okay, this is going to blow them wide open. Okay, by the constitution, under the general law, once they created an agency and delegated that authority, it cannot be redelegated to any other agency or one like it. You cannot give another uh, agency the same powers. You can't have the King County Prosecutor's Office. Or let's see where I'm at, Kitsap County. You cannot have the Kitsap County Prosecutor's Office and then create something called CPS Division of DSHS and give its brainless bimbo employees authority to prosecute dependency petitions. You cannot give stupid lying bitches like Kelly Linscott and Paige Cummings, you cannot give these brainless bimbos authority to prosecute a civil action called a dependency proceeding. You cannot give these dizzy broads Paige Cummings and Kelly Linscott authority to prosecute a termination action. Well, no, Mr. Ewing, they did it. See, there's a statute. Okay, folks. Just because they passed a statute doesn't make that statute legal. It just means that the bar attorneys are criminals. Okay? 
I'll give you an example, folks. Medical marijuana statutes are illegal. Sorry, folks. I don't. Well, no, no, Mr. Young, we passed the statute. We did it. Okay, folks. It's illegal. Okay, the state has no authority to create a medical marijuana dispensary. Marijuana is a Schedule One crime. Okay, so you cannot pass a state statute that conflicts with federal statutes. Under the doctrine of law called the Federal Preemption Doctrine, okay, the federal law preempts and supersedes the state statutes under the Federal Preemption Doctrine. Okay, uh, and since it's a Schedule One drug, it's a criminal offense. And well, Miss Jane, they created a statute doing it. And you know what the state's trying to do? They're trying to do indirectly what they can't do directly. If this is really a medical marijuana statute prescription, and this is a medical marijuana dispensary, they can't tax the medicine. That's also a federal offense. That's a felony crime. Which begs the question, folks, when is the state going to open up their state cocaine dispensary? (laughs) Are you fucking kidding me? This shows you proof, folks. The Washington state bar attorneys are so fucking stupid they think they can pass laws to make it legal to do criminal actions. Well, Mr. Ewing, yes, we can. We can pass a law to make the RCW saying we can make it legal to rob banks. And we could pass a statute saying we can make it legal for all men to make it legal to rape all women. We can just throw women on the ground, rip their panties off, and rape them. We can pass laws saying uh, uh, we can shoot somebody because they're black. We can shoot niggers. Okay? You can't pass a statute to do these kind of crimes. That's illegal. Folks, this is disgusting. These people are so goddamn stupid, they think they could pass a statute to do anything they want to. No, the statutes are illegal. Medical marijuana dispensary is illegal. It's a Schedule One drug. It's a federal offense. Okay? They cannot tax a medicine. And, and, you know, and these greedy fucking attorneys, what, what proves that all the prosecutors and judges and assistant attorney generals are hypocrites talking out of their ass. The truth is, they want to be our one and only drug dealer. Yeah. They want to be our one and only drug dealer. They want to have a monopoly on selling marijuana. Did you know the United States government is patenting strains of marijuana and claiming it's a medicine? Well, if you're claiming it's a medicine, you can't tax it. (laughs) The federal government's pissed. They're so goddamn stupid. They're wondering, well, how do we gain control of this and make it legal where we're the ones that are the top dog drug dealer and everybody has to come to us to buy it and pay us taxes and we'll tax it. Marijuana, folks... You know what, folks? I'm gonna I'm gonna reveal this very soon in the near future, probably at the next hemp fest or two. I'm gonna destroy the war on drugs with free flyers. I'm gonna put an end to the whole nonsense because I have the legal knowledge to do it. I'm gonna make it legal for everybody to buy and sell marijuana in any quantity at whatever price you want to sell it, and the government will not be able to charge you criminally, and the IRS will not be able to tax you. How you like that? I know how to do that. Yes, I do. That's a big secret. For right now, okay? I know how to end the war on drugs, okay? I'm the author of the ultimate user flyer, okay? I'm the real reason why they're legalizing marijuana in the states, but you'll never hear my name in a newspaper unless they're trying to throw me in prison for a trumped-up phony charge. But, you know, that's what prosecutors do. They lie all the time. Did you know our prosecutors in Washington state are so corrupt? God, I just love it knowing... That Norm Mailing is dead. May he rot in hell. Norm Mailing, former King County prosecutor, 
I got in an argument with him before in the hallways in King County. Him and he don't like me and Kurt Riggin much. Uh, we, we cussed him out a few times in the hallways in King Counties. Norman Milling, piece of shit, me rotten hell. He wasted over half a million dollars of taxpayers' money arguing that prosecutors should have immunity for committing perjury, for knowingly using perjured testimony to send an innocent man to jail. That's right. Folks, I'm studying how to overcome this immunity. Kalina versus Fletcher is the key. I have actually, and you fuckers in Kitsap County, I want you to know this. Fuck you. I have copies, okay? I just recently got copies of the entire court file for Kalina versus Fletcher. Oh, yes, read that and weep. I've got the entire court files for Kalina versus Fletcher, folks, in the United States District Federal Court in Seattle. Nor mailing piece of shit lost. Nor mailing piece of shit appealed to the ninth to the Ninth Circuit in San Francisco. He lost. Piece of shit nor mailing, former King County prosecutor, may he rot in hell, appealed to the United States Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is like, this is ridiculous. Okay? Perjury is not part of your job description. No. We're not going to grant your prosecutors immunity for committing perjury if they're knowingly using perjured testimony to send an innocent man to prison. So, no, we're going to deny you that. I've got all the briefs, folks. So, guess what I'm doing? I'm on a research project. I need donations, okay, because driving to the library is taking up all my gas money, okay, Photocopies is expensive. Parking is expensive. I gotta buy a lunch. It takes me. I gotta drive two and a half, three hours just to get to Olympia. I gotta drive like three hours to get to Kitsap County to file stuff. I live out here in Moclips. Okay, um, you know I'm ten minutes from the uh, Quinault Indian Reservation, so it's a long drive for me just to go to the library. And I spend hours in the library. I spend every single penny I got photocopying case law to uncover the secrets how to take down CPS. And I'm putting out more free information on my flyers than anybody in the entire Internet. Valuable information that you will not be able to get anywhere else that explains in detail how these piece of shit social workers... Keep in mind something, folks. The bar attorneys, the state bar associations behind this. Think about this. The attorneys are bound by the rules of professional conduct. The prosecutors won't sign the dependency petitions because they have no personal knowledge that the parents are bad parents. The prosecutors won't charge the parents with child abuse, child neglect, or abandonment of a child because they have no proof, prima facie, even to file a a, a criminal complaint for either one of those three things. They know that if they did try to charge Catherine West or Lewis Ewing with abandonment or child neglect or child abuse, that the jury would find us not guilty. And they'd have to give our kids back. They know that. So, the crooked attorneys, okay, keep in mind, Peter's principle is incompetence at its highest level. It's also evil, corrupt, lying piece of shit attorneys like Peter Kay and Catherine Cruikshank. The more of a lying piece of shit you are, the more that you follow orders and go along with the conspiracy criminal members of the state bar, okay, the higher up you will be promoted. You'll get a bigger paycheck, okay? Catherine Cruikshank, I think she's a lesbian. She's got 
a very short haircut. She dresses like a, a dyke lesbian butch. She's got that butch deck, you know, the, you know, you guys know what a butch lesbian looks like with the butch haircut. Yeah, you can just tell. The swagger, the way she walks, the way she talks. She looks like a man-hating bitch. Okay. She posed as a public defender in my case, my three children's case for Catherine West. She's posed as a public defender. Now, what the fuck is the assistant attorney general doing running the show even? Because under the statutes, and I'll go into some detail in that show, folks, assistant attorney generals have no standing to be in the family courts. By law, the prosecutor is the only one that can do this. But, see, the prosecutors, they're still kind of lower-level attorneys. They're not as smart, they're not as evil, they're not as corrupt as the assistant attorney generals. The assistant attorney generals are the cream of the crop of the evil, crooked, corrupt, lying piece-of-shit attorneys, the ones that will lie, do anything to get ahead so they can get a bigger paycheck and get promotions. The crooked attorneys, the higher up you are, the more crooked they are. The higher up you are, the more incompetent you are. That's Peter's principle working at its best. Okay, so we got a problem, though. The prosecutors don't want to sign this because they're bound by the rules of professional conduct. The assistant attorney general wants to distance himself. He doesn't want to be the primary person responsible. Okay, but think about it. Who created the dependency statutes? Who created the termination statutes? Well, obviously, attorneys. Attorneys are the ones who drafted all these statutes. Attorneys who are members of the Washington State Bar Association. Now, got another problem. If we have the cops go out and investigate child abuse or neglect, they're going to come back with no evidence because the parents are going to say, well, you don't have a warrant, get lost. Get out of here. We're not talking to you. Well, they're not going to be able to steal as many kids that way. So we need to create an agency separate from the prosecutor's office, and we're going to call them CPS social workers, and we're going to give them a brown pants with a, a light khaki color shirt, and we're going to give them a golden badge, kind of like we do at the Department of Construction and Land Use and, and Building Zoning and Permit Violator people. We're going to have permit inspectors. We'll give them a little golden badge from the Department of Construction and Land Use. So, you know, we're going to give these brainless bimbos a high-paying job. Okay, and we'll get them to do law enforcement. We're going to make them quasi-law enforcement. Keep in mind, folks, a police officer goes to the police academy. You know, like on uh, uh, with uh, Eddie Murphy and Beverly Hill Cops. <laughs> okay, the social workers don't go to the police academy. They're too stupid. The social workers are brainless bimbos that are too stupid to even graduate from the police academy for Beverly Hills Cops with Eddie Murphy. Okay. <laughs> Okay, but keep in mind, folks, a cop actually has to do some testing. These days, they've got to be a college degree. But, but, folks, you know what? A college degree doesn't mean much these days, okay? Plus, they prep these cops with books and, 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 and testing stuff. They basically give them all the answers to the test, so they're going to be guaranteed to pass the test when they take the test, okay? Because they're hiring androids, Robots, people that are on autopilot, that are trainable, people that will follow orders. So guess what? They're recruiting the rejects from the Army and the Marines and the Air Force and the National Guard. The rejects from the militaries. The jarheads, they get kicked out of the military for beating people up and being bullies. Basically, the high school bully, the high school punk, you know, who, who couldn't get a date 
with, with a girl in high school gets to become a cop. But they do have some minimal college educations. They do take the police academy test. Plus, here's the kicker, folks. The good thing, the one good thing the cops does, they have to swear an oath to uphold the state and federal constitutions. They have an oath of office. An attorney has an oath of office. A prosecutor has an oath of office. A judge has an oath of office. A cop has an oath of office. A sheriff has an oath of office. But guess what? The social workers don't have an oath of office. A social worker is not an attorney. They're not bound by the rules of professional conduct. A social worker is not a cop. They're not a sheriff. A CPS social worker is not a sheriff. They're not a state patrol. They are not real law enforcement. They do not go to the police academy. They do not graduate from the police academy. They are not bound by the rules of professional conduct, and nor do they have an oath of office to uphold the state constitution. They do not have an oath of office to uphold the federal constitution. They do not have an oath to uphold the laws of the state, and they do not have an oath to uphold the laws of the United States. What we have is a corporation called DHS that employs a separate subcorporation called CPS, CPS Division of DHS, a corporation. Okay? They're doing something illegal. Okay, folks, to be an electrician, you have to be a licensed electrician. Okay? I can't go advertise in the newspaper in the yellow pages and help wanted ads that uh, Lewis Ewing Electrical Services and charge money for that unless I'm a licensed electrician because I could go into your house and run all kind of funky wiring and catch your house on fire or I could electrocute and kill myself. You can't have unqualified people's advertising. Okay, that's a violation of the Consumer Protection Act. It's also fraud. There's also criminal penalties for this shit, okay? You cannot advertise yourself as a doctor, okay? This is what's illegal about CPS, okay? You cannot advertise yourself as a doctor unless you're a licensed medical practitioner, Okay, you cannot open up a yellow page ad and claim that you're an abortion surgeon. Okay, and have women come in the back door into your garage and get a coat hanger at and, and take the baby out with a coat hanger. Okay, a lot of mothers, you know, back when uh, abortion was still illegal, which it should still be illegal, actually is illegal, but the laws they pass for it are illegal. Folks, if I had the financing, I know how to overcome Roe versus Wade. I could make Roe versus Wade illegal. I have the legal knowledge, the right to pleadings. I could make all abortions illegal. All the women would be in protest against that. I have a right to choose what I do with my body. Bullshit. It ain't your fucking body. Okay? Once you spread your legs and you let a man inseminate you and, and put his sperm in you and you allowed him to fertilize that egg, that egg is now a baby. That baby is a separate entity from you and you can't represent another entity. Okay? <laughs> You're not an attorney. Okay? You can't represent that baby. Okay? That baby's a living thing. Folks, we could overcome Roe versus Wade with State versus Jacobson. State versus Jacobson is the case that they used to force all the children to be vaccinated. Go read State versus J the United States versus Jacobson. That case could overcome Roe versus Wade. You folks figure it out. What they're doing is illegal. Uh, I cannot open up a yellow page ad claiming I'm a doctor. That's illegal. It's a felony offense. Okay? You cannot employ a corporation to set up uh, Lewis Ewing's electrical agency uh, uh, services, 
or Lewis Ewing's medical medical uh, uh, hospital without a license. Okay, unless you've had the proper testing and the proper training, you can't perform a surgery. Okay, you, you got to do better than you know. Well, I've got Emerald Lagasse's knife set. I pay two hundred dollars online for this. This qualifies me as a surgeon. I can take this knife and I can cut you wide open. And I'll just give you some pain pills so you won't feel the pain. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. You, you can't have people carving people up like a fucking turkey with Emerald Lagasse knife set. Okay? you got to go to medical school. Okay? You cannot go down to the state of Washington and, op- and pay money for a business license and and call yourself ABC Electrical or uh, Home Birthing Center and employ people who are not licensed medical practitioners to practice medicine or carve people up and pretend to be surgeons when you're not. Okay? You cannot create... Uh, uh, I cannot even create uh, uh, Lewis Ewing's Law Firm. I cannot go to the state of Washington and say, Lewis Ewing's Law Firm, and claim and falsely claim that I'm an attorney who's a member of the bar. I can't do that. That's illegal. I could be charged with unauthorized practice of law for doing that. You have to be authorized to practice law by the Washington State Supreme Court in order to advertise yourself as an attorney within the state of Washington. It would be false advertising if I did that. Okay, I could be prosecuted criminal if I do that. Guess what, folks? I don't do that. I tell everybody I'm not an attorney. I tell everybody I've never went to law school. I tell everybody I've never taken the bar exam. And people say, well, Lewis, why don't you take the bar exam? You're a smart guy. You could pass the bar and you'd make lots of money being an attorney because you could go in and represent people and help them. Let me tell you something, folks. I'll tell you a fact. Joining the bar is like joining the mafia. Once you're in, you can't get out. That's right. Joining the Washington State Bar is like joining the mafia. Once you're in, you can't get out. Okay, and once you're in, they have complete control over you. Oh, yeah. Check out. That's the reason why I won't take the bar exam, folks. Check this out. If you pay money to take the bar examination and you fill out the application for the state bar examination and you pay that fee, when you take the test, when you pass the test, guess what? You get admitted and authorized to practice law by the Washington State Supreme Court. You are now a member of the Washington State Bar. They refuse to set up a test that allows me to take the test and prove that I'm competent to practice law unless I pay the application for a state bar examination. And upon passing that state bar examination, I'm automatically admitted because I paid the bar application fee to join the bar. That's illegal. They're creating an illegal monopoly over the court system. So you know what we need to do, folks? We need to take down the state bar association. We're not going to get justice back in our courts until we take down the State Bar Association. Because what we have is not just the tree that's rotten, folks. You folks don't realize this. The entire forest is rotten. It's time to throw out the baby with the bathwater. And you know what? While we're at it, since we're talking about the State Bar Association, we need to take up the, throw out the whole bathtub. We need to get rid of the whole fucking thing. We need to get rid of the Washington State Bar Association. In fact, we need to get rid of all State Bar Associations in all states. You guys just have no idea... Uh, how uh, crooked this is, but let me let me point out a few things, okay? Uh, uh, about practicing law, okay? I don't have to be an attorney who's a member of the bar to practice law. 
Okay, 2.4170 says, which provides only active members may practice law, reads in part, quote, provided that a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction shall be entitled to appear in the courts of the state. Well, guess what, folks? This is what's got them pissed off. You think this is a loophole? No, it's not. This is a fact. Any other state. That means a California attorney could come practice here. An Oregon attorney, an Arizona attorney could come practice here. Now, the State Bar Association will lie to you and say, well, no, they have to be pro-hack visa. They have to uh, uh, apply for permission with the court, and they have to have an attorney who's a member of the bar uh, uh, accompany them and put their uh, accompanying signature on documents. They have to appear in court with the Washington State Bar Attorney. This is protectionism of the bar, protectionism of the local bar, Enforcing people to spend more money than they have to. What if I, what if this California attorney is a damn badass hot attorney, and I can get him for X amount of dollars, but you're telling me I have to hire a Washington State Bar attorney? Why do I have to pay for two attorneys when this Washington attorney don't know shit, and this California attorney could go in there and kick ass? It's called protection of the bar. Okay, so 2.48170 says, provided a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction Shall be entitled to appear in the courts of the state. Guess what, folks? I have been authorized to practice law before several federally recognized Indian tribal courts, including the Muckleshoot Reservation, the Tulalip, the Tulalip Reservation, the Puyallup Reservation, the Quinault Reservation, and I'm currently lead counsel for the Kikialis Indian Tribe. But guess what? Crooked members of the Washington State Bar Association in cahoots have called up the Muckleshoot Bar you guys got to call the Muckleshoot Bar. They'll tell you, no, I'm not on their uh, enrolled list of members of Muckleshoot Tribal Admitted Counselors. That's a lie. I still have a certified copy of my oath of admission to practice law before the Muckleshoot Tribal Court, okay, that was stamped, certified by the Muckleshoot Tribal Court clerk, Kelly Kuhn. I got Kelly Kuhn to sell me a certified copy of it. And it has the signature of former state superior court judge Carolyn Dimmick. Carolyn Dimmick was the author of the Hagen escrow case. This specifically held. This case went into more detail about who is and who is not qualified to engage in practice of law. I don't know if you guys folks remember this. In 1982, a bunch of the greedy, corrupt members of the bar were jealous of all the real estate agents and real estate brokers brokering. Big land deals, hundreds of thousands, millions of acres. We're talking deals that meant in the hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. All the attorneys are getting jealous of these real estate agents and brokers signing legal pleadings that affected, you know, hundreds and thousands of acres worth hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars. And so they came in there and said, oh, no, 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 this isn't for protection of the bar. This is for protection of the public to make sure that unscrupulous real estate agents aren't ripping off landowners. We're coming in here to make sure. No, they were coming in there. They're just fucking jealous. Attorneys want a piece of everybody's fucking pie. They can't get enough. Greedy pigs slopping at the trough. So they came in and briefed out the Hagen escrow case, uh, ruling that uh, that this statute was unconstitutional. The legislature had no authority to pass a statute uh, they would purport to allow unqualified individuals to engage in unauthorized practice of law. No, 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 this isn't for protection of the bar. We have to protect the public. The public has a right to not have unqualified people uh, preparing and signing legal documents that affect the legal rights of others. This is what proves all bar attorneys are lying pieces of shit. Oh, really? Well, why are you allowing social workers to sign dependency petitions? 
Why are you allowing social workers to sign termination petitions? That affects the legal rights of children. Well, uh, uh, we're, we're going to look that aside because we make money selling children. We make money stealing and selling children for profit. We get federal funding. We get to commit bank fraud. We get to defraud the federal government. We're going to assign accountants for CPS, Division of DCHS. The accountants are the criminals for CPS, folks. The accountants for CPS very, very carefully watch those accounts to make sure they don't hit that $2,000 limit. Right before it hits that $2,000 limit, the criminals who are the accountants for CPS sweep the account empty. And then they wave their hands in there. We got no money. We got no money. Waving to the federal government. We need more money. We got all these children in custody. We need more money. Because the judges and the social workers needed gas money expense to go meet at the Snoqualmie Falls Lodge or in Las Vegas, Nevada, where prostitution is legal. <laughs> okay. And they have a conference in the best interest of the children, of course. Okay. Here's another one, folks. Former 248190, qualifications on administrative practice law states in part. That an attorney of another state may appear as a counselor in court of this state without admission upon satisfying the court that his or her state grants the same rights to attorneys of this state. That's called reciprocity, folks. Okay, an Indian tribe is another jurisdiction. So guess what? If I really wanted to push this, I could actually force the courts to allow me to practice law, and they wouldn't be able to fucking stop me. I would be able to sue them for violating my right to work. I would be able to sue them for racial discrimination against tribal attorneys. In fact, I'm thinking about maybe going to the tribal, all the tribes, and telling them you need to fire your white people judges. You need to fire all judges that are members of the state bar. We need to have Indian judges only. Okay? We need to have the chief judicial officer of every Indian tribe fire all white people judges. We need to have every Indian tribe fire all judges that are members of the Washington State Bar because they've infiltrated the Indian tribes to give them false legal advice and to steer things into the white man to take control of the Indian tribes and trick the Indians. The white man speaketh with forked tongue. Okay? And that's what's going on. That's why we have state bar members infiltrating the Indian tribes and trying to take positions as tribal judges in the Indian tribal court. So you bar members, fuck you. I'm going to be going around to the tribal council meetings where the judges won't be, okay? I will have a special tribal council with only Indians in attendance. The judges, even though they'll beg to attend to the tribal council upon hearing what I got to say, and I'm friends with a lot of tribal council and the Indian tribes, folks. Uh, We're going to have a special tribal council meeting in every Indian tribe in this state, okay? The judges who are members of the bar will be excluded from the meeting. They won't be allowed to attend. By the time I'm done talking to all the tribal council members, we're going to fire every fucking tribal judge that is a member of the Washington State Bar. Okay? This statute, 248170, says, provided that a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction shall, you fucking judges, which part of shall be entitled to appear in the courts of this state, don't you fucking understand? I'm going to shove your RCW statutes right up your ass. Okay? And I'm going to tell you, they approached the Indian tribes and said, you know what, folks, let's set a precedent. 
let's have me file notice of appearance in all 39 counties for a different court case and let the judge reject me, and then we'll have the Indian tribes sue for racial discrimination. The Indian tribes are going to make money, hand over fist, millions of dollars, suing the state of Washington for racial discrimination against a tribal attorney. Won't that be great? Now, if I combine 2.48170 with 2.48190, it says that a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction shall be entitled to appear in the courts of the state without admission upon satisfying the court that his or her state grants the same rights to attorneys in the state. Well, guess what, folks? About 10 years ago, I was in the King County Regional Justice Center in the King County Superior Court in Kent, Washington. Representing a client named Timothy Tweet, an alcoholic drunk driver. They brought in the presiding judge for King County, the Honorable Dale Remmerman. And his sole purpose there for coming all the way from Seattle, because they had a plan to arrest me for unauthorized practice of law. And there was like four or five cops laying in wait in the back of the courtroom waiting to arrest me the minute that I would go in there and try to impersonate an attorney and try to represent this Mr. Tweet and practice law when I'm not a member of the bar. I got a warning from the court clerk who was somebody that was a friend uh, who dated a friend of mine. The court clerk, when I, uh, one of the court clerks, and I'm not going to reveal her name, when I was coming into the courthouse uh, to the second floor, she wiggled her finger, you know, waving at me to come over, whispering, Louis, Louis, come here, come here. And I go, what? And she goes, I don't think you should go in that courtroom today. And I go, why not? And she goes, because they're going to have you arrested. And I go, for what? And she goes, for practicing law. You're not a member of the bar. Oh, this, this ought to be good. I said, you got to come watch this. So I go in the courtroom, and I see the four or five cops sitting in the back of the courtroom. And what the hell? What's Dale Rammerman doing? I've heard his name before. He's not a judge of this court. What's he here? He goes, she's the... He's the most senior judge in the King County court system. He's the presiding judge in charge of all the King County courts. I go, oh, this ought to be fun. So I go into court. You know, and I'm wearing a suit and a tie. Look like I'm impersonating an attorney. And Judge Rammerman says, Mr. Ewing, I'm going to warn you right now, if you attempt to represent Mr. Tweet, I'm going to have you placed under arrest for unauthorized practice of law. And the four cops are back there in the courtroom clinking their handcuffs around. That's pretty funny. And I say, well, Your Honor, Your Honor, if you do that, I'll be able to sue you for false arrest or false imprisonment because the State Bar Act says I can practice law. Mr. Ewing, the State Bar Act did not say you can practice law if you're not a member of the bar. And I said, well, sir, apparently uh, you've never read the State Bar Act. Let me tell you what it says. RCW 2.4870 says that an attorney of another state may appear as counselor in the court of the state without admission upon satisfying the court that his or her state grants the same rights to attorneys of this state. And 2.48190 says that a member of the bar in good standing in any other state or jurisdiction shall be entitled to appear in the courts of this state without admission upon satisfying the court that his or her state grants the same rights to attorneys of this state. Now, Mr. Ewing, are you a member of a bar somewhere else? Yes, I am, sir. What bar? I said, well, Your Honor, I've been authorized to practice law before the Muckleshoot Tribal Court. Okay? And, and the fact is, that Washington State Bar Attorneys have been practicing law in all the Indian tribal courts for at least 25, 30 years. So the very second that I was authorized to practice law by former State Superior Court Judge Carolyn Dimmick, who is now a United States District Court federal judge, the very second I was authorized to practice law in the Muckleshoot Tribal Court, 
where Washington State Bar Attorneys are currently practicing today, practicing law in the court right now, Your Honor, I'm automatically entitled to practice law in this state. And the Rio Supreme Court recently ruled in a case, Your Honor, uh, that a convicted felon in a federal penitentiary had a constitutional right to represent another inmate in a federal penitentiary. So do I have to go to the back of the courtroom and, and kick these four cops' butts and beat them up and, and be convicted for beating up cops and sent to prison before I can engage in an occupation? Like, Mr. Ewing, Mr. Ewing, yeah, you may proceed. And I'm, like, shocked because I'm having to talk fast to get something on the record because I know they're about to have me arrested. Mr. Ewing, Mr. Ewing, you may proceed. These fuckers are so stupid, folks, they wouldn't know the law if I hit him in the head with a law book. The Honorable Dale Rammerman, the most senior judge in the King County court system, said, you may proceed. Now, he denied my motion for an application for writ of habeas corpus, which, by the way, folks, I'm the first person in 120-plus years to ever get an actual writ of habeas corpus hearing where they force them to bring forth the body. That's what the corpus delecti is, the body. Timothy Tweet. I made them haul Timothy Tweet from the Enumclaw, the city of Enumclaw, the Buckley Jail, all the way to the King County Regional Justice Center. And the King County Sheriff was telling my friend, Tom Welter, the process server who I had served, the King County Sheriff with the writ of habeas corpus application that was signed by the honest black lady judge. I can't remember her name. The honest, the black lady judge. I bet she got in big trouble. She actually signed the order approving my writ of habeas corpus hearing under the Territorial Code of 1881. I did not use the current statutory RCW because I know that they would have denied it in a second and they would have converted it to a personal restraint petition. I filed a common law writ under the Territorial Code of 1881, and I'm the first person and the only person in the state of Washington in 120-plus years to ever have a writ of habeas corpus hearing granted under the Territorial Code of 1881. And the sheriff's telling my friend Tom Walter, who's this Lewis Ewing guy? How did, how did he do this? He, he got the judge to sign a writ of habeas corpus. N nobody can do that. And my friend Tom Walters goes, what are you talking about? Nobody can do Rita Habeas Corpus. He goes, Rita Habeas Corpus is for children, for parents kidnapped their children. We can kick in the door and get the children back for the parent who stole the children from the other parent. And he goes, Rita Habeas Corpus aren't for parents. They're not for adults. They're only for children. Folks, I'm the first person in the state of Washington and probably the whole United States to ever get an actual Rita Habeas Corpus hearing granted where they dragged the body from the city of Enumclaw Jail, the Timothy Lay Tweet, to the King County Regional Justice Center in Kent, Washington. Now, Judge Rammerman denied my writ of habeas corpus, but he made a finding that my motion was correct, that Timothy Lay Tweet was not in contempt of the Auburn Municipal Court judge who was holding him in jail. See, Auburn Municipal Court Judge Patrick Burns ain't too bright. And, and he had like... Uh, uh, throw, uh, throwing my client in jail for 39-something counts. I forget how many counts. 19 counts, whatever, uh, of contempt of court for violating the same order. <laughs> okay, apparently he had missed uh, uh, 19 weeks of alcohol rehab counseling classes or whatever, so he charged him with each class he missed as a separate count. 
Well, I found a bunch of case law that says it doesn't matter how many of the weekly classes he missed. There was only one court order. He violated one contempt order. He didn't. The fact that he missed 19 classes in a row for 19 weeks doesn't mean that you can charge him with separating 19 separate counts uh, of contempt of court. So I moved to strike on the grounds that this was a violation of Article 1, Section 14, the State of Washington's Excessive Penalties Clause. Okay. The case law says when you ask for a claim in excess of jurisdiction allowed by statute or court rule, the court lost jurisdiction and must dismiss. Well, see, Judge Burns isn't too bright. So it took approximately a whole week for the city of Algona prosecutor. I can't remember his name, the city of Algona prosecutor. He's kind of a dumbass, too. Um, it took him a whole week. Judge Burns, you have to let him go. Judge Rammerman, the most senior judge in the King County court system, made a finding on the record that there is no contempt. Mr. Ewing's motion's correct. You can't charge him with, with contempt this many counts for violation of one count. That's a violation of the excessive penalties clause. You have to dismiss. The Superior Court judge made a finding that there was no contempt. That means you're holding him illegally. Judge Burns goes, oh, shit, I better let him go. A week later, and Judge Burns is kind of slow. He's not very smart. But, you know, what do you expect of a guy that gets caught by the cops from wearing a blue dress on his off days? <laughs> well, anyway, folks, I had enough fun of uh, making fun of public officials tonight. Um, we will be back Next Friday, 5 o'clock to um, 7 p.m., Friday night. I won't be late next week. Sorry, I was late tonight. So I ran the show uh, over a little bit tonight uh, to make up for the lost time. And before I sign off for the night, I'll sign. Uh, put the chat grabber to you folks who want the case sites and stuff I posted on the board. Um, I'll post that on the board, and I'll post my emails and phone numbers. But uh, if you want to hire somebody that's a good legal writer, the only sales pitch I give people is dollar for dollar, page for page. You're going to get far better and far more legal writing out of me than you will any attorney in any state at any price. Okay? And the secrets to brief writing, I'll go into that uh, more next week. But make it short and simple, folks. All the attorneys do is hire a paralegal. The paralegal goes online, pulls down the latest cases, and he writes a little two, three, four page motion. And all they're doing is writing what somebody else wrote. They're just citing another case, State versus Ladson, Marbury versus Madison, you know, uh, Miranda, you know, Terry versus Ohio. Every attorney hires a paralegal who just copies what somebody else wrote. That's called plagiarism. Every attorney and paralegal just plagiarizes what another attorney wrote, and then they charge you, the client, money for that piece of paper that they copied from somebody else. So, I've developed the method that makes me the best plagiarizer in the world. That's right, the best plagiarizer in the fucking world. I can outright any fucking attorney. You know how I do that, folks? When I pick any particular subject, I don't care what it is, I pick the hottest state Supreme Court decision, and I go pull the court files and the briefs. I retype the briefs verbatim, word to word, as my master template. And then... I look for half a dozen to another dozen cases that also won on the very same statutory violation. I pull those court files and those briefs. I also pull the published opinion for each of the briefs. This is the secrets to brief writing, folks. There is nothing new under the sun. Everything in the law has already been done. Everything in the law has already been written. 
So I'm just a fucking workhorse. I work like a fucking dog, okay? And, and this is my sales pitch. Dollar for dollar, page for page, you're going to get far better and far legal writing. But you know what? You can't just plagiarize somebody's document. You can't just pick one motion, plagiarize, and expect to win, okay? What if the briefs were only 80%, 90% of what caused the win? What if it's the attorney who specialized in that particular field of law by his experience, 10, 15, 20 years of practicing law in court and researching and writing briefs, he goes to court, he notes his motion up for hearing, and he argues it. The prosecutor comes up with something. Well, he's got some knowledge of the law, so he's able to respond with an oral argument citing some other cases, not in his brief. But see, because he's made the proper objection on the record, he preserved it for the record, he resubmits an amended brief citing these new cases, or he can appeal those issues if he cited them properly. Okay? And, and this is all attorneys are doing, is they're just copying, plagiarizing what another attorney has already written. Every single motion and brief filed in every single case cites a case site that's a published opinion from that state's appellate court or that state's Supreme Court or another state's appellate court or another state's Supreme Court or federal decision or U.S. Supreme Court decision. So all the attorneys are doing is copying and plagiarizing what another attorney's done. So what I do is I pick half a dozen to a dozen of the top cases on a particular subject, pull the published opinion, then I go pull the brief. Then I take the best brief, the best decision, retype that brief, then I go read the published decision. And this is where the patriots and the sovereign citizens and all the constitutionalists, this is why they're losing their cases. Keep in mind, folks, the public decision may be only three, four, five pages. But the briefings, guess what? There may be 50 to 100, 150. There may be more than 200 pages of briefings. So you read the public decision. If you write your brief based on just the public decision, you get a court and judge says, motion denied. And you're thinking, what the hell? This is a pretextual stop. I say the state versus Latson, and the judge denied it. And the attorney turns to you and says, well, he's the judge. He can do that. What the fuck is this? The state Supreme Court, state versus Ladson, this is a pretextual stop. I cited it. I'm supposed to win. No, he's a judge. You can do that. And, you know, folks, there's something wrong with the system when the judge can deny that motion. These people have created a literal Alice in Wonderland fantasy where they think the law is the words that come out of their mouth. I'm the judge. I decide. You don't like it, take it up on appeal. And then they create this maze of rules of evidence and court rules that if you don't follow this rule, you don't file on time, you don't appear in court, they're going to dismiss your case, strike your case, then they're going to hit you with attorney sanctions and attorney fees. Fuck you, I'm not paying you a goddamn dime. I'm judgment-proof. I own no property in my name. You can't get a penny out of me. Never. Not in a million years. I don't own a damn thing. If I owned something, I would burn it just to make sure you didn't get it. <laughs> I don't live beyond my means. Okay, I live within my means. You know, I live what's in my wallet on a daily basis. This is what everybody needs to do is turn their back on government. Get rid of your business licenses, close down your bank accounts, buy gold and silver. That's the only way you can save money because gold and silver is the only money. We're being ripped off, folks. And I'm like the little kid who points and says the emperor's naked, and I'm going to expose to you how they're ripping us off. Okay? But the secrets to brief writing... It's easy. Read the public decision. It's four or five pages. Now go read the briefs and all the files. When you read the motions and the briefs, you're going to go, holy shit, here's all the good cases and the arguments that aren't in the public decision. Well, this is why I lost, and this is why that guy won. So, folks, if you want to win for the same reason that guy won, 
you got to go pull the entire court files and the briefs, and you have to retype his briefs, and you have to cite all the cases he cited in his briefs, and you have to make all the same arguments he cited in his briefs if you want to get that win. But guess what? You can't just copy or plagiarize one brief. Because what if that brief is only 80%, 90% of the way, but it was the judge's, his attorney's particular experience and his knowledge of the law in that particular area. He was able to push that brief over the edge and was, it would, by supplementing the record with his oral arguments. Okay? So that's another reason you got to pull the transcripts over the case to see what his arguments were, see what, see what he cited that's not in the briefs. Okay? But the way I've decided to overcome that so I'm not taking a chance losing a case, copying one brief is I take half a dozen to 10 to 15 to 20, depending on the client's budget, paying for expenses. I'll go copy the briefs and files from 20 different cases if I have the money and the expenses to do it. And I'll take the meat out of them 20 different briefs. I'll take the best quotes from those 20 different cases and I'll blend them together and create a super brief. Kind of, you know, kind of like Eddie Murphy, you know, my little sales pitch here. You know, so... What I'm doing is I'm taking finished appellate court product and finished Supreme Court product, the best briefs that have already won. And I'm blending it together into a super brief, and then I'm giving it to guys like you who don't know shit about law, and you're filing it at the lowest level court, the municipal court, in the district court. And these fucking municipal court judges are going, what the fuck is this? Who wrote this? Who wrote this? I got a guy in New Jersey, uh, uh, one of my students in New Jersey, Filing my briefs in the court, and the judge was absolutely fucking outraged. I want. Are you an attorney, sir? Are you writing this? Who's writing this? Are you an attorney? Really pissed off because my briefs were kicking their ass in New Jersey. I do this everywhere. A couple years ago, I forced the judge in the state of Kansas to overturn a jury conviction where a guy got found guilty of felony aggravated battery assault of a police officer, who upon my advice, told the jury, admitted to kicking the cop. Yeah, I kicked the cop in the face with my cowboy boots on. Yeah, so what? I kicked the cop in the face with my cowboy boots on, gave the cop the worst black guy you'd ever seen in your life, folks. Better than the Tarleton, worse, blacker than the Tarleton billboard. I forced the judge to overturn a jury conviction based upon my briefings alone. Okay? I don't ever have to appear in court. Okay? I can write briefings good enough that I can send pretty much any dummy into court, and they have a much better chance uh, of winning their case with my briefings than they do hiring any attorney as a member of the bar with my briefs. And that's pissing all the bar attorneys off. It's pissing the judges off and pissing the prosecutors off. I'm so good at brief writing, they want to charge me at practicing law even though I never even entered the courtroom. Isn't that fucking funny? When the truth is, I'm only working as a paralegal, which is illegal. They can't charge me with unauthorized practice of law for working as a paralegal. Because when you act as your own attorney, you're representing yourself. When you're acting as an attorney, you can hire anybody to be your paralegal, to be your legal researcher. And that's what I do, folks. I advertise myself as a legal researcher. I provide you assistance of counsel, and I offer you my paralegal services. Okay? The state bar associations only have the authority to regulate attorneys who are members of the bar. They have no authority to regulate pro se litigants, and they have no authority to regulate paralegals. In fact, 
there's no requirement in any state that you have a license to be a paralegal. There's no such thing as a, a state license issued by the Department of Licensing called a paralegal license. And even if they tried to pass one to stop me from being a paralegal, guess what? It wouldn't affect me because that law would only apply prospectively from that date forward to anybody that wanted to start a business doing a paralegal after the date that new statute was passed. They cannot apply in violation of the ex post facto clauses to make a, uh, a, a statute stop me from practicing law by paralegaling. Okay, paralegaling is not practice of law. Okay, so I can do legal research, give you legal advice, and I can research and write your legal documents for you. That's called doing the work of a paralegal. The state bar associations have no authority to regulate paralegals, uh, and in the same vein, they have no authority to regulate pro se litigants. You have the right to go in there in court and represent yourself, which means you have an absolute right to be a fool to hire an attorney also. Because that's the truth is, folks, the only the person who hires an attorney who's a member of the bar not only has a fool for a client, because he has, he has a fool for an attorney, because attorneys don't even know that. <laughs> the truth is, everybody who goes to prison volunteered to go to prison because they didn't know this. When they hired an attorney, they waived their right to the assistance of counsel. That's right. When you hire an attorney, you waived your right to the assistance of counsel. Why do you think the judges make such a big stink when you want to represent yourself pro se that you have to waive your right to counsel, or they won't allow you to represent yourself? They say... You have to either represent yourself or be represented by an attorney because that's the only way they can legally send you to prison under Arger Singer versus Hamlin. So the whole idea, folks, is if you've got a criminal charge and you don't want to go to prison, you don't want to waive your right to counsel, and you don't want to be represented by an attorney. And that's the biggest legal secret of the century. Everybody volunteers to go to prison, and I gave you folks the case, Arger Singer versus Hamlin, and I posted it on the board so those – you can grab that case and go read that case, and you go, oh, my God, how come nobody has ever spotted this before? Why did I hear it from Lewis Ewing first? Well, folks, I read case law seven days a week. This is what I do. I love to read, and I love the law, okay? You know, as my friend Lloyd Smith says, the only way you can be good in the law is you have to be criminally minded, which I think is kind of weird, kind of true, but at the same time, you have to be honest. The problem is, folks, most of the attorneys that are members of the bar not only are criminally minded, they're criminally active. They're ripping off the public, and I want to put a stop to it. I want to put a stop to all the state bar associations. Before I die from old age, folks, um, you know, I'm 53 years old now, so I'm still a young man. I'm going to take down all 50 state bar associations. We're going to put them out of business. And I'm working on the research and the briefings that will do just that. So any folks, uh, I'm going to go sing karaoke tonight. Um, I like to sing uh, Elvis, Neil Diamond, Frank Sinatra. I'll even do War Pigs by Ozzy Osbourne. Can you believe that? But I like to sing karaoke Friday, Saturday nights. Um, anyway, folks, I'm signing off for the night. We'll see you Friday next week from 5 to 7 p.m. And also, folks, on Saturday nights, I do a show called Pro Se Winners. Pro Se Winners, Saturday nights. Um so I'm going to post those links uh, um, on the board here in a little bit, but I'm ending the show now. Good night. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.